Welcome to Categorical Oracle, the podcast where three librarians give neglected topics their organizational due. I'm Mary Johnston, and with me are fellow oracles, Kelly Kennedy and Andrew Crawford. What up, dudes? What up? What's up? Actually, I'm going to cut you guys off. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I was that, just going to oh, tell you the oh. very important things happening in my <laughs> life, but fine. Uh, we have a guest. We have an, what? We have an honored guest among us. Why didn't you tell me? I would have put on clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're business cash. <laughs> Fully business cash. I, I febrezed my feet before we came downstairs, and you are wearing like a sweater and a classy blouse. You are literally blouse. the most dressed person in this house right now, Kelly. <laughs> Don't Wait. even joke. Um, what is the temperature in Milwaukee right now? Oh, like 65 degrees. Yeah, it's, it's a little chilly. Cold. Yeah. Yeah, but also our basement is cold, so. Yeah. Who is that phantom voice? Oh, yes. Sorry. (laughs) Our guest is so important to me and should be important to you as well because she's a delightful person. My oldest and dearest friend, Kate Whitney. What up, girl? What up? Having a great time. Really glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. We thank you. Uh, you're welcome, and we appreciate your formality. <laughs> yes. Please continue that this entire time. I assume, I assume you bowed at the waist. The very beginning and end of all formality. Yeah. Also, Mary Ditto. You know, whatever. Click you your heels sure? when you yeah. finish every sentence, please. Can you make sure to not use any contractions this entire? You're gonna have to make sure to call Kelly, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm in the South. That's a pretty Southern thing to do. (laughs) Do you want to call her? Thank you, ma'am. Do you want to call her something like Ms. Mama? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. No, thank you. I'm not Not Southern enough. I feel like I'm not from the South, even though I've lived in Texas, Kentucky, and now Georgia. So probably should just accept it. But pretty Southern. You know what would make you feel real Southern? Moving to the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, um, we are talking about, we're at, you know, middle of summer. It's it's warm. It's delightful. And what does that make me think about? Summer reading. You're a kid. Go to the library. Get a little booklet to write down all the books that you read. And uh, you get a little pan pizza out of the deal. <laughs> if you read Pizza Hut. Yeah. From Pizza yes. Hut at the end. Pizza Hut. No yeah. Man. But, you know, we're also, three of us are librarians. Kate, we can make you an honorary librarian. I think we have that ability. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm power vested in you by uh, the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It it does uh, require a triumvirate, and I think we meet that requirement. So we have a quorum for a triumvirate of librarians. (laughs) I haven't agreed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Kelly's like, I'm I'm very official. Kelly's, in fact, the only real practicing librarian (laughs) here. So she's like, "Uh, guys, no. Come on. Don't don't screw around with this. Don't do this. But I certainly remember that uh, during the summer, I would read books that were a little bit subversive, right? Totally. And that's what we're talking about today. So we got together a list of books um, that have appeared, well, most of them, have appeared on um, the banned books list, which, if you're not familiar, just means... Um, that... Some squares don't want children to read them. Right. And mm. it can be any old squares in any old library. It just yep. means some square came into a library at least once and was like, this is inappropriate. <laughs> I don't like this. And things that have been like banned have been like the Bible. 
because of the graphic, you know, nudity and sexuality. And violence. And violence. Quite a bit of violence. Yeah, there's a lot of violence. I, I've read that some places have the dictionary has been banned, which is also oh, really fun. Oh, stop. That's ins- too, many, too many dirty words. Yeah. I mean, like, when I was a kid, that's oh one of the God. primary that's uses the only thing I had for the dictionary was to look up foul language. So I'm not going to throw any geological spot underneath the bus, but I really have some guesses about where the dictionary has been banned. But I'm stepping back. <laughs> not touching that. So for this episode, we had everybody read um, a selection of books from our list, and then everybody else got a summary that they wrote, a little book report, <laughs> and we're just going to go around it round robin style and have people uh, tell us about their books. So first up on our list is can Andrew. I, can oh. I tell you real quick my dedication to this craft of podcasting, which is that I went to the beach and read this book. Oh, I went on a summary. nice day when it was like 95 degrees out and sat on the beach with my boyfriend and drank a beer. And it was very hard. And you guys should all applaud. <laughs> applaud my commitment to this podcast. You shouldn't applaud it. You should send her a pan pizza <laughs> in a padded envelope in the mail. <laughs> she did her summer reading. Yeah. Kate, I Indeed. assume you're standing up and again bowing at the waist. <laughs> yes. As honorific. <laughs> For Kelly's Indeed. accomplishments. Yes. Yes, 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 Quite so. Oh, you, you also are wearing the hat as a top hat, and you also have a monocle and a giant mustache. <laughs> um, Mary, are, do you have a video recorder on me? <laughs> Obviously, you are in this room, because that is exactly what to I To answer like right your question, now. Kate, yes. I just, yes, I, I just have you completely bugged. <laughs> yeah, we actually have a monitor in the studio just recording your movements. We like to keep an oh, eye cool. on all of our remote podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> want to make Thomas sure you're taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're looking for poise. <laughs> um, so the first book on our list is Andrew's book, which is Go Ask Alice by Anonymous. Ooh, sneaky. Oh. Yeah, let's start on a high note, guys. Really, like, pick this up and get it really <laughs> exciting. Right? Yeah, the, the, a book that literally <laughs> that just... funny. A book that walks across into the middle of a stage, turns a chair around, sits in that chair... <laughs> Points at you, then sticks heroin into its neck. That's basically what. <laughs> that's basically what this book is. It's so. Guys, it's the gangster guys, paradise uh, performed by Mormon people. <laughs> this book was so okay. Here, here's here's high level assessment of this book. Simultaneously, way more and way less juicy than I expected it to be. I thought this was going to be sort of like a goofy, like after school special drugs are bad this is one of the darkest things i've ever read <laughs> oh my god it really is oh my god it's so brutal so like, uh, quick quick show of hands who has read this book other than andrew obviously because he read it for the podcast i think i have i think i've read it but i don't remember any details you probably blocked it out here's the deal i remember a fair amount of it which is unfortunate yeah it's it's hard to scrub um, <laughs> yeah i did not read it i listened to it as an audiobook oh with my, my mom what? <laughs> oh my God. and my mom was just kind of like no at a certain point we bailed on it she was just like i don't want to continue this yeah, <laughs> yeah oh there's a lot of no, stuff in there like, no, no thanks no, like, no thanks good night <laughs> like it's enough we've had enough I got it. so so the book so let's get a little meta commentary about this book so it um it was it was released uh sorry originally published and positioned as an edited diary from a teenage girl that was discovered and then published as a sort of warning of the dangers of the modern world that is a lie it is a book written by uh I lost the name um actually presumed to be written by a psychologist uh, 
I, I actually oh. have the name. Oh, yeah. And it's a good name, so oh. I feel like. Lay it it's on me. It's Beatrice Sparks. She <laughs> is a... Mm, she so a dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> she is a fictional human. Uh, she um, is also much like this book, a not real. She is a. Um, <laughs> she says that she's a therapist, but they can't find any history of her getting any sort of doctorate uh, yes. oh, or advanced God. degree whatsoever. And um, a Mormon youth counselor who wrote this book as an as a as a counseling aid. Huh. For all of the children's coming to her, no doubt, being like, I'm thinking about potentially masturbating. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking about potentially drinking a Coke. <laughs> oh, that I mean And she wrote all of these things. Oh my god. She also so Jay's journal, it happened to Nancy. <laughs> uh almost lost the true story of anonymous teenage lives on the streets. Man. Annie's baby, Treacherous Love, which is about a teacher and a student. Engaging oh in God. a relationship. Kim Empty Inside, the diary, which is a diary. Jesus. Finding Ex- Katie. Excuse Kim Empty Inside? Kim colon Empty Inside. Oh my Hello, God. my name is Kim. What is that one about? <laughs> Depression? Or like she hit someone with, I don't know. I'm she actually, she, she I was born without an appendix and then she always felt a little bit hollow. <laughs> Letting Anna go. Lucy in the Sky, The Book of David. Wouldn't it be funny if it was just like a fun version of The Book of David from the Bible? <laughs> That'd be amazing. And she's just like, let's uh, have some fun. It's like The Book of Tim. It's great. It's <laughs> and then Calling Maggie May. The Rod, the Rod Stewart song? Well, you know. She... Wait, wait, not Maggie May. Maggie, I've got something to say to you. I don't think there's a May there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. She does have, she does have Go Ass Alice and also Lucy in the Sky. Maybe she was just like, you know that Rod Stewart's on drugs. <laughs> you just know. You can tell by his pokey up hair. Oh my God. Can tell, um, you can just look in their eyes. Yeah. Like almost no. famous when like, she like looks at like Simon Garfunkel's eyes that they're obviously on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what Empty Inside is. <laughs> She's like, it's just about, it's about Art Garfunkel's talent. Empty inside. <laughs> Beatrix Sparks. So it's Scarborough Fair by Beatrix Sparks. Parsley Sage Rosemary in Time by Beatrix Sparks. Rosemary is a euphemism for marijuana. I think we all know that. I think that that's been proven. Uh, but Time is heroin. Call Me Maybe by Beatrix Sparks. <laughs> uh, uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, her kid's book. Interestingly yeah, enough, really not, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Actually, about dragons. <laughs> Komodo dragons, weirdly enough. Uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star. By Beatrice Sparks. <laughs> Good night, moon. By Beatrice Sparks. <laughs> and it's about a nudist. <laughs> uh, I almost spit on the microphone. <laughs> it's about the dangers of becoming a nudist. She's like, you will get sunburns in places you didn't even know were possible. What if you forget your towel? Oh, oh no. What if you don't have a fanny pack? Where do you put your wallet? Yes, one word. Shrinkage. <laughs> um, yep. Anyway, Go Ask Alice anyway. is a super depressing book, as I've mentioned a couple times, about a teenage girl uh, who starts keeping a diary. It starts off kind of depressing, but relatively speaking, super bright. Um, so she bought this diary because she was so excited that she was going to go on a date with a local boy and she thought she was going to have to record her strong emotions. But the boy, oh, what a pill. Stood her up. Stood our unnamed heroine. I'll call her not Alice because she's explicitly not 
Alice? Also, that's the name of our niece, and I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. So, uh, so not Alice uh, gets uh, stood up and gets really sad about it, and things are going really dark. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't take care of herself. She starts eating too much, and you know this is like the '70s, and she's a teenage girl, so that's not a that's a, a situation that carries a lot of pressure. I mean, apparently. she might as well kill herself, right? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> sort of the tone it takes at first. She does so the, before, before we even what's get into what's her poison? What's her what's her food stuff oh, of choice? Oh, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Good. Um, so, so before we even start talking about before we even acknowledge that drugs exist, she develops an eating disorder <laughs> in the first like ten pages. It's not great. Oh, good. Um, and she starts this decision to pursue her eating disorder with one of my favorite lines in the book. Not a not a comfortable phrase I just said, but she says, uh, not one piece of chocolate and nary a French fried potato will pass these lips. Just as a teenager would. You know, supernatural <laughs> yeah. language nary. for a teen. Nary a French fried potato. Definitely no. met a teenager. Oh, it's yeah. like oh, yeah. it's this like person, Beatrice Sparks <laughs> just came out of the womb at thirty-five year old woman. Had to guess at being a teenager. She was actually a time traveler <laughs> and from quite the past. Oh, I mean, with that God. name, yeah. that would be a good time traveler name. It would. It's super inconspicuous. <laughs> no one's gonna remember someone with the last name Sparks. Beatrice Sparks. <laughs> anyway, so um, not Alice. Uh, She's she developed eating disorder, but then uh, her life takes a positive turn in that her father, a professor of political science, gets a job at a different university in a town, the name of which is redacted from the book for mm. anonymity purposes. I like that they're like, we can't even just give a random yeah, one. Not We're going to redact you the state. it because no town wants to have not Alice in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Be responsible for this. Super uh, dark. Yeah, it's rough. Um, so... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so she gets excited to move. She's you know her life's getting a little bit crummy. So she wants to change. Wants to change the scene, guys. Goes to this new town, and it is not that great. She's an outsider. She can't make friends. She's not but, eating French fried potatoes. She is, I think, at that point. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. she said what nary. 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 Whatever, That's whatever the opposite of nary is. <laughs> very, very, very <laughs> a French fried potato has <laughs> <laughs> um, varied French fries. So and it's rough. <laughs> Lots because, of different ones. <laughs> Uh, it's rough because all of the rest of her family seem to be getting along just fine, making new friends, fitting in, and she just doesn't get it. She doesn't feel good. She makes one friend, ditches that friend because she's boring, uh, meets another friend, Beth. I'm sorry, that's my cat. Yoda, oh. calm it down. <laughs> I, let me finish, Yoda. Uh, no. uh, so not Alice. Uh, she hangs out with friend Beth, but then Summer comes along. Beth goes to camp. Not Alice goes back to her grandparents' house at home. And, you know, she's just, she has a little bit of a rough start. But then she starts meeting people who didn't even give her the time of day when she lived there. And they start going to parties. They go to one party. And one of the guests says, we're going to play a game. Like we did when we were kids. Button, button, who's got the button? Kid you not, that's literally what happens in that situation. And somebody brings out a tray of, I believe, 10 glasses of Coca-Cola. And she's like, oh, what a wholesome party this is. Um, I can't wait to have some delicious Coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the, the teens play this, uh, what turns out to be a game of LSD roulette. <laughs> and not Alice is one of the winners. She gets high on LSD because somebody drugs her. I'm going to take a break here and read that passage, if you guys don't mind, a little, little story time. Suddenly, I began to feel something strange inside myself, like a storm. I remember that two or three records had played since we had the drinks, and now everyone was beginning to look at me. 
The palms of my hands were sweating, and I could feel droplets of moisture on my scalp at the back of my neck. The room seemed unusually quiet, and as Jill got up to close the window shades completely, I thought, they're trying to poison me. Why? Why would they try to poison me? But why? Why, Jill? My whole body was tense and at every muscle, and a feeling of weird apprehension swept over me, strangled me, suffocated me. When I opened my eyes, I realized that it was just Bill who put his arms around my shoulders. Lucky you, he was saying in a slow-motion record on the wrong speed voice. Hey, uh, but don't worry, I'll babysit you. This will be a good trip. Come on, relax. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, Dramatic emphasis, mine. Uh, He caressed my neck and face tenderly and said, Honestly, I won't let anything bad happen to you. Suddenly, he seemed to be repeating himself over and over like a slow-motioned echo chamber. I started laughing wildly, hysterically. It struck me as the funniest, most absurd thing I had ever heard. Then I noticed the strange, shiny patterns on the ceiling. Bill pulled me down, and my head rested in his lap as I watched the pattern change to swirling colors, great fields of reds, blues, and yellows. I tried to share the beauty with the others, but my words came out soggy, wet, dripping, or tasting of colors. I pulled myself up and began walking, feeling a slight chill which crept inside as well as outside my body. I wanted to feel, I wanted to tell Bill, but all I could do was laugh. Wow. wow. Incense yeah. and peppermints. Yeah. So <laughs> if you just got into the first like three chapters of the book, you were like, drugs are great. Let's just do drugs. Guys, nothing let's r- do drugs. Guys, drugs sound so cool. Anyway, as the book told me, they're not. <laughs> Turns <laughs> out, guys. Um, so uh, being open up to the world of drugs, she, uh, our heroine, not Alice, decides to explore further. So not Alice tries a bunch of drugs. Then she's like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I've just made a very, very important decision. I I made it through speed. I tried barbiturates. Heroin. Great. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go belly up to the bar and try that scary old marijuana. The wacky backy. Oh oh Lord. Um, I mean, it's definitely the most scary of all the drugs. Oh, hands down. I mean, it's the one that's, I mean, just reading about it got me shaking in my boots. So, I I mean, at this point, the book sort of follows into an interesting trajectory where bad things happen, then good things happen, then bad things happen to not Alice. Um, High level, her, while still in her grandparents, in her hometown, her grandfather has a minor heart has a minor heart attack and she has to start taking care of him and decides not to do any more drugs. Then she does more drugs. Then she goes home and she's like, I'm not doing any drugs. Then she meets someone named Chris, a lady friend of hers who also likes doing drugs. She and Chris do a lot of of drugs. drugs. (laughs) Uh, They get busted for doing drugs and then they decide to run off to San Francisco after promising to not do drugs. One of the most perplexing decisions That's anyone in really 1970s Also, aren't they 15 years old? Yeah, they are 15 years old. Wow. Yeah, Chris I, is a little I really bit want us to reinforce that age yeah. because like, this is a crazy amount of stuff oh, to yeah. happen to a 15-year-old. The next bit is perhaps the most impressive thing to consider when you think that she is 15. She goes to San Francisco. Well, let's, let's actually get to the dark part of that first. She goes to San Francisco, gets a cool job at a jewelry store. Chris gets a cool job at a boutique. They have a shitty apartment. But they hang out with Chris's elegant tall lady boss and she seems really cool and invites him to parties then she injects them with heroin and sexually abuses them <laughs> yikes um and then they bolt off to berkeley and start their own business 
They yeah, op- they talk about opening a boutique, op- yeah. but it actually just sounds like a coffee shop that doesn't make coffee. Yeah, but apparently they're doing well. They're, like these two 15-year-olds managed to legally, presumably, rent a space, open a business, <laughs> make that business successful in the course of a few months. Paint the floors. Paint the floors, yeah. Decorate things, really get it down, then really show that their lives are on track. They're not doing drugs at this point, but they sadly miss their families. Understandable, again, 15 years old. Children, literal children. children. Little children, little child entrepreneurs, and they decide to go home for Christmas. Um, and stay, ab- presumably abandoning their successful business. I don't know. <clears throat> Wild. They left it to some other 15-year-old. Yeah, you know, that's a rotating uh, <laughs> rotating management staff. Anyway, so um, at this point, things are dragging home. Not Alice runs away to Oregon where she lives homeless and has a series of very dark experiences. Uh, literally at this point, the journal becomes, <laughs> slips into sort of William S. Burroughs-like prose and that the 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 dates aren't being kept it's just madness she decides she declares that she's a priestess of satan yeah so she she uh, decides to pick it up go back home after being homeless for a bit uh and really like sticks to the straight and narrow she she's at school she's you're trying to do the best she can uh but all her her stony baloney druggo friends just (laughs) just really want to hammer that she's not cool anymore at one point she's babysitting one of her old friends comes over to try and babysit, but she's high as a kite. Oh, no. And Night Alice is like, you can't be around babies when you're stoned. And call, calls her parents, who uh, calls the young lady's parents. Who Did she call the constables? Uh, the parental constables, I suppose. <laughs> and they're like, oh, God, thank you for letting us know. She, she's on parole. This is terrible. And then a revenge campaign starts against Not Alice, in which the druggo, druggo pals start uh, harassing her and her family. Uh, not her adult boyfriend, who she meets uh, at the university her dad works at. But, uh, you know, that's that's its own conversation. Uh, so they start harassing her, and she's just freaking out. She's, everything seems like it's going good. She's, like, got it together. She feels like eventually the, the harassment's going to stop. And then everything goes full-on nightmare. We just, the, the, the Burroughs-esque prose returns. There's no dates. And she's just talking about how she's, uh, the skin has been ripped off her fingers. Her hair is missing, and she's got a gaping wound on her head. Uh, it turns out what happened, guys, is that the uh, the shitty druggy friends decided to dose a bowl of chocolate-covered peanuts, <clears throat> sneak them into the house where she was babysitting somehow, and she <laughs> ate just a ton of them and had the worst trip of her life. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of work to put into. Yeah. Just and now she's trying to dose someone when you might want to just do those drugs yourself. Is I mean, yeah, all I'm saying. I, I was, That's quite expensive. I, yeah, I, I guess, <laughs> I'm thinking back <laughs> to the seventies. Yeah, I gotta think back to like all the, the friends I had in high school who were like way into drugs. This is none of them would have had the ambition for something this insane. <laughs> do you think and her again, friends are Kevin McAllister? That's like a whole alone <laughs> level trap. But that was the first trap in the movie, it just worked too well. Too well. Right. Yeah. She never well. Isn't this also the part? So she gets put in a a mental institution. Yes. To like to like dry out from chocolate oh, no. peanuts. <laughs> well, she goes to the hospital first to get her fingers, head, and et set fixed up. Um, she does, and then she gets arrested because her stoner friends declare that basically conspire to make her a criminal, and her parents believe that she is not taking drugs intentionally, but no one else does, and she gets into a mental hospital. Where she meets other uh, similarly troubled youths. Some and, white privilege. Yeah. Dis- yeah. Decides to become a, a social worker once she gets out. Does get out. Everything is going great in her life. It's her dad's birthday. She has fun. It's her birthday. She has even more fun. Her boyfriend, who was living in Chicago, got a surprise visit. Everything is going great. She is off drugs. 
she is doing so well, she decides to stop keeping a journal. Doesn't need it anymore. Doesn't need it. The end. Oh, wait, there's an epilogue. What is the epilogue? She dies three weeks later of an overdose (laughs) out of the blue. There's no, it's the single Was most- Was it those friends? Those hoodlum no, friends? No, here, allow me to Allow me to give you the deets on the epilogue mm-hmm. real fast. It's pretty short. Um, so keep in mind at this point, everything looks like it's going fantastically well. There's been ups and downs. Epilogue. The subject of this book died three weeks after her decision to not keep another diary. Her parents came home, came home from a movie and found her dead. They called the police in the hospital, but there was nothing anyone could do. Was it an accidental overdose? A premeditated overdose? No one knows. And in some ways, that question isn't important. What must be... <laughs> wow. What must be of concern Whoa, is that man. she died and she was only one of thousands of drug deaths that year. So I'm going to... Pu- I, I believe okay. that statistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really want that stuff. I'm going to posit a theory, guys. So mm-hmm. not Alice doesn't choose to do drugs initially. The situation that drives her to her breaking point is not a conscious one. She does drugs in between, but, you know, just sort of casual experience again. Um, I, I'm going to posit that the theory of this book is not that you shouldn't do drugs, but rather that drugs are going to happen to you. Drugs are like earthquakes. <laughs> drugs are a natural disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. You can't stop them. But the only Yeah, that does she, seem to be the thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's not like, I mean, she you know, when, when she's choosing to do drugs, she's kind of, she's relatively speaking, getting by i guess yeah. she's not great but um but again like drugs drugs just happen to you so you can't fight it it's going to happen but the one thing you can do to protect yourself keep a diary <laughs> once you stop keeping that diary that's when you die that's when the countdown Andrew, starts you're saying that big diaries behind this book <laughs> <laughs> I, you know you would have you might have thought big pharma was the opiate addiction of trouble in the world but no no Big diary. Big, di- big diary. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. If you stuck him a diary three weeks later, you are dead. Wow. So. Wowie, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What categories Ooh. do we have for this item? Well, if I may start. Uh, please. I, please. Because, again, going back to the idea that this that this book posits drugs as just a fact of life that it's going to happen. Um I, I thought to myself, you know, okay, that's what can I what can I do with that? How can I play around with that? And I was like, well, about like a pandemic is something that kind of reflects the implication. You're like, this is a worldwide problem, uh, like a disease spreading across the world, taking people's lives. But I thought this is about summer reading. Um, let's try to tie that in together. So my category is personal pandemic pizza. <laughs> I like Always it. Always a personal pan- pizza. <laughs> pandemic pandemic yes. pizza. I like personal it. Personal pandemic pizza. <laughs> I like that. I did what any, I'm going to say middle-aged, but I'm not middle-aged. <laughs> Brag about it. it. Jesus Christ. Uh, what Whoa, any, Kelly's young. Yeah, what any. Okay, Kelly, watch out for drugs. <laughs> They're coming for the youth. Kelly, do you keep a diary? Do, no. Oh, no. Shh, Kelly. You're in the danger zone. So I did what any confused older person would do and went to the Google machine. <laughs> and decided, did you go to WebMD? I did not go to WebMD. Instead, I went to that to the Google, and I typed in teen slang so that oh. I could learn what all the <laughs> cool teens are what saying the these cats days. Are saying, <laughs> yeah, Kelly, I'm so glad uh, that you're here. So my be. sources for all of these are today.com, uh, Securing Tomorrow, which is a McAfee website, and NetSanity.net. Uh, so thanks for citing your sources. Those are my sources. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, so my category is robo robo tripping through the flowers. <laughs> Ooh. Ah! <laughs> I do like that. Oh man! 
If you don't know, robo tripping is when you get high. Kelly, we know. We know what robo tripping is. Come on. <laughs> Kelly, we are young. Uh, we yeah. are young. We are free. We are young and we keep diaries. So for mine, uh, I have a little a small tale. Tales all this time. <laughs> I was seven or eight years old. And I was watching The Breakfast Club for the first time with my mother and brother. And I was getting a little bit upset. And it's at the part where Judd Nelson is talking to Emilio Estevez and he says, Come on, Sporto. Referring to Claire, Molly Ringwald. Have you ever given Princess the hot beef injection? Oh, and I oh. burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> and my, oh, mother, and my like, and suddenly, like, and my my brother and my mother went from shifting uncomfortably because they were watching this movie to being like, "Oh no, the baby needs something!" And like, paused it. There was a big, big, you know, kerfuffle made. And mm-hmm. my mom was like, "Why are you crying? What's wrong?" And I was like, "I don't want to be a teenager." <laughs> and it was just me reacting with absolute dread to the concept that I would get older and have to deal with something called the hot beef injection. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so reading, I mean, fair. Reading yeah. this novel <laughs> is a hot beef injection. <laughs> if you read this when you're a kid, you're like, "Nope." Just going to nope right on out of that. Yeah. I'm going to skip from being <laughs> 10 to 45. I don't need yeah. anything about youth at all. Just chop it right out. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Hot beef injection is my category. All right. Oh, my God. It, it occurs to me, we should, we should have asked Kate to go first as she's our guest. We are We are so rude. rude. I, would, I would love to. To be fair, we asked, who had ca- we asked who had categories, and you, Andrew, were like, I want to tell mine I first. Am, yeah, you're the, I a, am rude you're the rudest. <laughs> you're yes, the rudest, sir. but also I would like to say... We just save the best for last. Oh, yeah. nice save. So yes, I'm going with gut reactions, things that I jokes I would make to like my siblings. Um, so none of mine are highbrow, and uh, they might even be considered basic bitch answers. I don't care. Anyway, we don't so care. I love that Go Ask Alice is basically propaganda where only terrible, endless tragedies are happening over and over again to a point that almost makes you like, guys, this is ridiculous. So my reaction was to um, use only categories of things that I would actually say to a child, which are, for this one, sucks to be you, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. Oh, my God. (laughs) From the mouths of babes. Kate pulling no punches. Kate, Kate too. Literally, they're all like that. I hope you enjoy. Oh, I do. I'm very I do. excited about this. Oh man. Oh my god. I um. So I think that was that was a pretty good round of categories, That's guys. Good yeah, round of categories. Really nice. I I'm leaning towards giving it to Kate on that one. Yeah. I I'm think that okay was a good one. I'm okay with that. Kate, congratulations. Um, oh, I thank you. You're, you're our winner. We will send oh, you okay. a Huffy Bicycle! <laughs> uh, Get it? Your top hat monocle? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have uh, a book that I read, which is Forever Ellipses. How long? By Judy Bloom. Forever. Forever. Ellipses. Ellipses. So uh, Forever by Judy Bloom is the Judy Bloom sex book. Judy Bloom books have been banned for all sorts of reasons, but this one is always banned because of red hot nookie action. Oh, Hot-beef injections. Nookie? 
Nookie. Really? Well, no. it was the past. You they want me to say making whoopee? <laughs> yes, please. Coitus. <laughs> making love. <laughs> Judy Blue would not approve of any of this stuff because it is not exact and precise <laughs> enough for her. Um, she says that she wrote this book because her daughter, Randy, um, pointed out to Wait, her. It was it, her daughter, Randy, was Randy? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Her daughter, Randy, pointed out that all of the YA fiction that she was reading at this time focused on, um, you know, had stories about characters having sex, teenage characters having sex, but then they were immediately punished for having sex with pregnancy or, as they called it at the time, venereal disease. <laughs> yes. Or going to hell. <laughs> or, or just dying. Or just dying for reasons that are sort of confusing. Uh, being social outcast, etc., etc., etc. And Judy Bloom was like, that's not real. Lots of teenagers have sex. I'm going to write a book about what that's like. So she did. Um, so this story centers around a 17-year-old named Catherine who starts dating another senior in high school named Michael. And we follow this couple as they become gradually more physically and emotionally intimate with each other. Um, this culminates with them regularly engaging in heteronormative sex and believing that the other one is their one true love. Mm-hmm. Catherine and Michael uh, believe that their love will last forever, titular line. And Catherine's parents uh, are supportive but savvy enough to know that they need to encourage their daughter to not, you know, shape her plans around this fool. Um, They're separated by jobs in different states over the summer. And Catherine realizes that she has feelings for one of her coworkers. Summer comes to a close. Catherine and Michael have this big, messy breakup. And in the end, Catherine is poised to go to college, realizing that she will always care for Michael, but she's ready to move on. Her heart will live on. Um, Just like that Celine Dion song. Exactly. So I have um, a couple of passages. So I think the thing that's really good about Forever is that it's pretty realistic and unflinching away from, for the most part, for for what sex is like, especially if you're a young, inexperienced person. And I'm going to read you uh, the first time our ha- our literal handshake with a little fella named Ralph. <laughs> that we become very (laughs) fond of over the course of this book. Oh, my God. (laughs) So Michael and Catherine are um, staying at Michael's sister's ski house. By the way, all these people are very rich. That's just accepted. That's table stakes in this book. Um, (laughs) And uh, Michael has crossed their Jack and Jill bathroom into her room. And they're Progressive like, parents. Uh, well, they're not supposed to. Uh, but, you know, everyone else is asleep. Plus, Michael's sister smokes marijuana, which kind of scandalizes Catherine. <laughs> oh but, Judy Bloom, but Judy Bloom's like, just fact of life. Does she keep a diary? <laughs> is that the scariest drug she does? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it would have like to be. It, it has to be. Nothing <laughs> scarier than the marijuana. What if these are all crossovers? <laughs> and the important thing <laughs> to know... Sh- a shared universe. <laughs> a controversial think, summer reading I think that we need to. I think that we need to assume <laughs> this is a shared universe. Um, so the important thing to know is that they had... Michael and Catherine had talked about it. They were planning on um, going all the way, as it were on this trip, but now Catherine's on her period, so they're not going to. Instead, they do this. I slipped my nightgown over my head and dropped it to the floor. There were just my bikini pants and Michael's pajama (laughs) bottoms between us. Hmm. We kissed again. Feeling him against me made me so excited that I couldn't lie still. He was rolling over on top of me and we moved together again and again, and it felt so good I didn't ever want it to stop until I came. 
After a minute, I reached for Michael's hand. Show me what to do, I said. Do whatever you want. Help me, Michael. I feel so stupid. Don't, he said, wiggling out of his pajama bottoms. And he led my hand to his penis. Catherine, I would like you to meet Ralph. Ralph, (laughs) this is Catherine. (laughs) She's a very good friend of mine. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm gagging over here. Don't worry about it. So is Catherine. (laughs) Point of order. She never gives him a blowjob. Does every penis have a name? I can only speak for my own. Uh, Yes. In books, penises are always described as hot and throbbing. But Ralph's felt like ordinary skin. Just his shape was different. That and the fact that it wasn't smooth exactly. As if there was a lot going on under the skin. I don't know why I'd been so nervous about touching Michael. Once I got over being scared, I let my hands go everywhere. I wanted to feel every part of him. While I was experimenting, I said, is this right? Michael whispered, everything is right. <laughs> when it's I Michael kissed... serial killer. <laughs> when I... No, but Ralph is. When he kissed my face... When I kissed his face, it was all sweaty, and his eyes were half closed. He took my hand and led it back to Ralph, showing me how to hold him, moving my hand up and down according to his rhythm. Soon, Michael was moaning, and I felt him come. A pulsating feeling, a throbbing, like the book said. Then a wetness. Some of it got on my hand, but I didn't let Ralph go. I'm wow. sorry. I don't think penises are gross in general. I'm not that kind of lesbian, but like, it's well. it's, it's so it's earnest, and it, yeah. like, yeah, like all that. I mean, uh, so for the most part, I would say that this book is um, fairly progressive. Certainly, certainly, the people in Catherine's life are very real about her becoming a sexually active person. And um, very supportive, almost potentially too supportive. So her grandma is this total bad bitch who, like, ran for Congress and is, like, a very liberal politician and lawyer. And she's very active with Planned Parenthood. So one day, Catherine receives a little bit of mail from her grandma. Dear Catherine, I heard that you and Michael are officially going together. Thought these might come in handy. And remember, if you ever need to talk, I am available. I don't judge I just advise. Love, Grandma. <laughs> I, pulled, I pulled out a whole bunch of pamphlets from pan, Planned Parenthood on birth control, abortion, and venereal disease. At first, I was angry. Grandma's just jumping to conclusions again. Uh, Oracle note, they have absolutely had sex at this point, so Grandma is not <laughs> jumping to conclusions. Um, uh... But then I sat down and I started to read. It turned out that she had sent me a lot of valuable information. Could my mother have put her up to this? I went to the phone and dialed her office. Gross, gross, and gross. That's their last name. (laughs) Good afternoon. (laughs) Hallie Gross, please, I said. Uh, Who's calling? Catherine, her granddaughter. One moment. Kath, said Grandma. Hi, I said. I got the stuff you sent. That was fast. I mailed it yesterday. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) It was there when I got home from school. You're not angry, are you? Grandma said. Me? Why would I be angry? You shouldn't be. But sometimes you jump to conclusions. Me. Jumping to conclusions. You. Jumping to conclusions. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm glad you sent that stuff. It's very interesting. Not personally or anything, but just in general. 
I'm glad you think so. Do me a favor, though. Don't tell your mother and father. Why not? Sometimes it's hard for parents to accept the facts. So let's just keep it between the two of us, okay? Okay. So, buddies. Is that a grandmother overstepping? <laughs> I think that's... Is this grandma sexually harassing her grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> There's just I mean, a lot happening there. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely pro shout-out to Plan of Heritage on that. That's pretty rad, but also... They also like, shout-out now. They name-check nice. now, which is cool. That's nice. pretty cool. Also, they name-check In the... the 70s. And they name-check the... <laughs> then is what it was called, <laughs> actually. <laughs> No, we call it then now. <laughs> they called it now then. Wait, what's wow. now? What's then now? Anyway, um, obviously, I think this book is important. Obviously, this book means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I did not read this book when I was a teenager and and horny, so it doesn't mean as much to me. <laughs> but I can see that it's important. There is some stuff in it that I don't think is great. So I think that she's a woke bay. Yes. I do. However, <laughs> I think that she, like a lot of, and this is coming from a white feminist, white middle-class feminist. I think she has a lot of white middle-class feminist bullshit. And one of them is the fact that she consistently fat shames throughout this entire book. Lovely. There is a character... Catherine's best best friend is named Erica, and Erica's cousin is named Sybil... For literally the first page of this is Sybil Davidson has a genius IQ and has been la- IQ and has been laid by at least six different guys. She told me herself told me herself the last time she was visiting her cousin Erica, who is my good friend. Erica says this is because Sybil's fat problem and she needs to feel loved and getting laid is part of that. Jesus. Even though it's very progressive and even though there's great things and they like there's a one of the better parts is when Catherine goes to Planned Parenthood and they depict it as not scary and not a big deal and everyone's super nice to her and like, you know, good stuff like that. Um, There is this like nasty undercurrent of bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Against like the right kind of the right kind of sex that you can be having and the right kind of girl to be having that kind of sex. And if you're not. If you're not that kind of girl, you're not worth having. If you're a fat girl who enjoys having sex with randos, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to be real stupid about it. Which is kind of does kind of defeat the initial purpose of this book, from yeah. as explained by Judy Bloom. And Randy. Randy. <laughs> Randy. She really let Randy down. You know who wasn't let down? Ralph. Ralph gets a lot of hand jobs in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ralph is rare. Right Handshakes. <laughs> handshake. <laughs> um, uh. It's good and it's important, but it reminds me of like that one lady that's been in like every book group my mother has ever belonged to, and she wants to like talk to you about it, talk to you about like marijuana, and she wants to talk to you about like safe sex, and she's like, "You want a condom? I have one. I can just give them to you. We don't need to tell your mom. Shh, shh, shh. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine." But then you find out that she has like kind of racist attitudes and yeah. is like kind of not on the level <laughs> and that woman is never without her NPR fund fun drive tote bag full of kohlrabi <laughs> so that is my category for this novel <laughs> a NPR fun drive tote bag full of kohlrabi <laughs> excellent that's a good one that's a good one I love it so mine is <clears throat> you know just going straight for the sex uh, the kids are alright with doing it <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving these categories. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, 
I also went directly, I, I, I had a, a direct line of sight to the, the nut of this situation where this book is really about. The nut. <laughs> the nut. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ra- Ralph's cousins. They never talk about uh, Ralph's, uh, Ralph's two bald cousins. <laughs> oh my God. I assume. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So my category, since this is a book about sexual awakenings, but it's a book, I went with textual awakenings. Oh, Ooh. that's good. Thank you, thank you. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, you have to search what's going on in this, <laughs> in my child's text messages. What does this mean? Swipe right for teen sex. so <laughs> much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, Crushing uh, it. I think I'm gonna give that one to Kelly. I, I think, think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, think I, so I think so too. Nice. Thank you all. I love that. Love it. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you all. Speaking of Kelly, hey. it's my turn. <laughs> she's just sipped the Coke full of LSD, and she's gonna tell us about Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Oh, Andrews. That's basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, have you ever re- read Flowers in the Attic? No, um, I I've, I've read the recap of the Lifetime original movie starring Heather Graham, and also <laughs> read your recap. Um, so I feel like so you feel like I feel you. like I I cannot see it and be okay. <laughs> like yeah yeah, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, it sounds basically nuts. the plot line of our book is that a family of six lives very happily. In a small town in Pennsylvania, they are the mom, Corinne, the dad, doesn't care what his name is, doesn't matter. (laughs) Christopher Jr., that might give you a clue, who wants to be a doctor. (laughs) Wait, wait, is this a Ralph situation? (laughs) Just, just want to check. Christopher Jr. is the oldest. He wants to be a doctor. Doctor. Our protagonist is Kathy, who wants to be a ballerina. Oh. And those goddamn twins, Carrie and Corey. Uh, so basically what happens is the father dies unexpectedly and their mother has run all of their finances into the ground immediately. Oh, man. Corinne. I know, that bitch. Oh, wow. <laughs> but truly. You'll, <laughs> you'll get it. Um, and so she decides, well, so we learn that she has been uh, kicked out of, disowned from her family. And... We don't really know why at first, but she says, we're going to go back to my family's home. They are filthy rich. Uh, my father doesn't know I had ch- I have children, so you guys are going to hide for a bit, and I am going to uh, win back my father's love and get back put put back into his will. So they get, on a, they get on a train in the middle of the night and arrive in the middle of the night to this place, to their, their grandparents' house, and they're like, Her mom's like, I promise you, it's just going to be for a few days. Spoiler alert. It's not. (laughs) And their grandmother locks them up into the attic. The titular attic, if you will. Uh, (laughs) Guess who the flowers are. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, basically we find out that uh, their mother married her half uncle, who is their father. So they're incest babies. And uh, that's why they were disowned, uh, like her father and and Corinne. Uh, so first, her mother visits them really often. Uh, she lives a fabulous life outside of this attic and brings them lots of presents. And then eventually just stops kind of visiting at all. Their grandmother, however, brings up food every single day, as well as a 
big old heaped spoonful of physical and mental abuse. <laughs> just huge mental abuse. And although she tells them that they should never eat sugar because they are not allowed to go to the dentist, they, she starts. <laughs> That's oh why. My yeah. God. <laughs> sure. They mentioned it several <laughs> times. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we don't, we can't chill out for fluoride. So yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I yeah. don't know why, but that to me seems like the most shocking thing I've heard so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that really highlights how terrible the situation is. They can't even go to the they dentist. They don't go to the dentist and uh, don't even get to go trick or treating. No, oh, certainly Jesus. not. Jesus. And uh, so they, their grandmother starts bringing them powdered sugar donuts along with their food. And they're really psyched. Very exciting stuff. Um, then they all start getting sick, thinking it's just from the, you know, lack of sunlight, lack of food. They're not really getting a lot of food. The years that they've spent in this attic. <laughs> years they've spent in this attic. Yeah, how long have they been there at this point, Kelly? Uh, at this point, they've been there for a little over three years. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. By the end of the Excellent. novel, they've been there for like almost four years. Yeah. Chat's uh, good. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so Chris rapes <laughs> Kathy <laughs> and then Oof. their little brother, Corey gets really ill and dies. And after that, they decide we should go. We need to get out of here. <laughs> say, why haven't, say fellows, why haven't we been getting the hell out for a long time? <laughs> we should run out of here. <laughs> so as they're getting ready to leave, they overhear some servants talking about how their grandfather actually died seven months ago and how he left a condition in his will saying that, um, if he, if it was found that Corinne is, had any children in her previous marriage, that she would lose everything, lose all of the money. So Corinne hatched a plan to poison the children with arsenic in the powdered sugar donuts. So the kids escape and decide that they're not going to call the police and just fuck off to Florida. <laughs> they do keep those powdered sugar donuts, though. No, they throw them away. But they, but they don't they like bring them down and then like and then when they decide they're not going to contact the police they throw it in the garbage can which is insane because the entire next novel is about them just royally screwing over that terrible mother oh, yeah. hmm. so that's just a baseline of all the crazy shit that happens in that book uh, Kathy has this really long beautiful hair blonde blonde beautiful hair really long mm-hmm. to her butt and uh, <laughs> their grandmother catches Chris looking at it and that's vain, and it's a sin. So he has to cut her hair off, or else they oh. none of them will eat for two weeks. Oh, my God. And so uh, they say no, because Kathy is very vain about this hair, if we're honest. <laughs> well, and also, Kathy. also like, uh, like Christopher's like, I would sooner die. That's I very would true. sooner watch my twin, si- my twin siblings <laughs> starve to death before yes. I touch one hair on that beautiful girl's head. And yeah. you're like, yay, yay, yay. No, thanks. Did it ever this book? Yeah. Uh, I've read this book. I don't know if Andrew's read this book. I have not. Yeah. Uh, so what ends up happening is that they start not getting food, and that sucks. So they uh, don't, they, you know, still saying we're not going to cut off her hair. So Kathy wakes up in the middle of the night, and she's like, man, I can't really, I can't really move my head. And then she sits up farther, and we discover that the grandmother has snuck into the room, injected her with some hydro, like, injected her somehow with some potion and poured tar all over her hair (laughs) no one woke up for this (laughs) (laughs) well the arsenic made it hard but but kate i know what you're thinking oh no no. now chris has to cut her hair doesn't happen because chris is a little tin wonder and his mother got him a science kit so he makes he makes us a potion that he pours on her hair and it's and all the tar just flies right out Oh my God! Stop. Well, Kate, yeah. Kate, can you imagine anything worse than a brother raping his sister when she has short hair? <laughs> oh my God! God. Jesus! Oh my 
Also remember, guys, he wants to be a doctor. So. He wants to be a doctor. He does get to be a doctor. Oh, God. Everybody gets to do what they want, which maybe that's... Well, except for the little brother. <laughs> yeah, except for, except for the fucking twins. Oh, actually, both of the twins, because yeah. Carrie also gets a really bad, bad life. So, like, oh. there are all these, like, terrible, terrible plot points, but it's also filled in with all this, like, viscera of, like, what it would actually li- be like to live in a in an attic, as well as a bunch of very odd asides that I don't really know what to make of. I'm gonna like go, what? I'm going to go ahead and read you one right now. Oh, please do. <clears throat> Carrie had the sway back posture of all little girls, protruding <laughs> in the front in a strong arc, and she adored skipping around the room, holding out her skirts so her ruffled panties showed. Lace ruffled oh, panties God. were the only kind that she would wear. Oh, my God. And if they had a little ro- if they had little roses made of ribbons or embroidered somewhere on the front, you had to see them at least a dozen times a day and comment how charming she looked in her panties. Oh my god, how old is this kid? Uh, she would be maybe seven at this point. Yeah, she's six little. or seven. <clears throat> I mean, so, it's not like little kids do like to show people yeah. their underpants, but what the fuck? Oh, it no, continu- I mean, I it continues, this my friend. Clearly, pretty obsessed with like uh, eroticizing <laughs> these kiddos. Yeah, these um, sexy so. children. Oh my god, <laughs> sexiest boy in town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it continues. Of course. Corey wore briefs like Chris, and he was very proud of this. Somewhere, lurking in his memory, were the diapers not too long discarded. If he had a temperamental bladder, Carrie was the one who got diarrhea if she ate one teensy bit of fruit but citrus. I actually hated the days when peaches and grapes were brought up for us, for dear Carrie adored green grapes without seeds and peaches and apples, and all three had the same effect. Believe me, when fruit came in the door, I blanched, knowing who would have to wash the ruffled lacy panties unless I moved fast as lightning, running with Carrie under my arm and plopping her down in the nick of time. Chris's laughter would ring out when I didn't make it, or Carrie did make it, and he kept that blue vase handy for when Corey had to go. He had to let loose immediately, and woe if a girl was in the bathroom with the door locked. More than once he had wet his short pants, and then he'd bury his face in my lap so ashamed. Carrie was never ashamed. It was my fault for being so slow. Damn. I I don't. (laughs) I'm I'm not sure that I've ever felt more uncomfortable in my whole life. Oh, my God. (laughs) Kelly, well read. Oh, my God. You're you're a brave soul. (laughs) Thank you, Edgar. I'm an excellent reader. Yeah. I want to retract all of my bitching about reading, having to read Go Ask Alice. (laughs) Because, wow. I would like to say that when. Oh, my God. When. I had read this book, Ooh. and when um, Kelly chose it, I was like, hold on to your butts. Just like yeah. Carrie has to. <laughs> and, or I guess Kathy has Kathy to has for to Carrie. Carrie. Uh, all right. Uh, Categories. I think you should start. We've all... Yeah. Excellent. So my category is, uh, basically, I wanted to uh, express the wackadoo nature of this book. <laughs> So I went ahead and looked at my teen slang guides and found the one that I think is the funniest and most ridiculous, which is the abbreviation CU46. Who wants to guess what it means? CU for sex. Wow. Wow. Because that's what people and parents that's think what cool kids are doing. Yeah. I would the second runner up to that category was uh the phrase throw shade, which they defined as to give someone a nasty look or say something <laughs> unpleasant about them. 
What a cute definition. What do they um what do they just make of simply um simply eggplant? I did not see any emojis. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That's how the kids get them. Yeah. Well, yeah. they would be like, children these days are very similar to the ancient Egyptians. They speak in pictures. <laughs> if you see a photo of an aubergine, it's not what you think it means. You see a pictorial of an aubergine? Stand back. That means a, 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 a penis. <laughs> Ralph has come to town. <laughs> Pe- <laughs> Peaches are very curious. Sometimes butts, sometimes muff. Who can know? <laughs> Use contextual clues to figure it out. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what do you have? Oh, what do I have? I so this is. I think we can say a story about a uh, non-conventional family, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, to say the very a, least. A darkly. What do you mean? <laughs> A darkly non-conventional family. So my category is a play on the Brady Bunch. TV's most famous non-conventional family. I called them the Shady Bunch. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love that. Yes. So good. Kate? Okay. um, So for me, uh, from everything I'd read about this book, uh, it felt like another book that was just terrible, terrible events over and over again. And these children having, like, almost comically awful lives. So <clears throat> I'm going back to the, uh, the original. Sucks to be you, nerd. <laughs> oh, oh, a brutal take. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, Kate Whitney pulls no punches. <laughs> I'm children. Yo, you in an attic? <laughs> Shut up, nerd. You probably did something to deserve it. <laughs> nerd. Um, <laughs> so... Ner- nerds have diarrhea when they eat grapes. That's a, that's a well-known fact. Anything but citrus. Well Anything but citrus. Oh, citrus. You see a pear come through that door, you're why, already crying. Why do you think soccer players eat oranges, guys? I was like it's to keep it in their pants, and by that we mean their shit. <laughs> I was laying. So, Kate, I did a very bougie thing where I prime now to hammock because I wanted to read this book while laying in a hammock. Oh my so I got God, a I hammock love- delivered to my house oh. within an hour. Much. That and is was like prime now. Did you not? It just occurred. I didn't. I just didn't catch the now. Oh yeah, I got I it like, delivered. Yeah, I, I order many things via Amazon Prime. Did that person who oh, delivered no, no. give you any sort of look? No, he didn't even <laughs> ring my doorbell. He just dropped it and ran. He's like, I don't want to know the monster who did this. I can't look at her. <laughs> Gotta go. Did you at least get like a bag of chips as well? <laughs> probably it met the minimum. You're probably good to go with just my. <laughs> It's not like being at a gas station and trying to buy condoms. You didn't have to, like, pad out the purchase. I thought about buying ice cream, though. You should have just bought condoms, and then he's like, this is the most ridiculous padded out item of all time. You stressed out <laughs> the fact that you have responsible sex. Anywho, I was laying in my bougie hammock, and I like, forgot what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I got to that page and I just dog-eared it down and was just like, continue on. <laughs> That'll be a save. Yes. Continue on. <laughs> um, it did actually make reading these books really fun, knowing that we would eventually have to like share and read them. Yeah. As opposed to just being like, oh, God. We were like, oh, good. <laughs> um, so I, I feel I had kind of a charitable category for this, I would say. Wow. Which is... <laughs> Which is, I think the premise is actually kind of good. Like, the idea of the idea of your mother, like, 
not being able to trust adults yes. around you. The idea of adolescence in this little like fishbowl where you have to like grow up and you feel constricted and you're and not everybody allowed. feels like they're in a fishbowl when they're an adolescent, yeah. right? And you can't do, you can't go where you want, you can't do what you want. Okay, so like if you just describe this to me and like even even the incest part, like I'm like, okay, it's just like a, a creepy gothic romantic novel. Yes, yes. okay, sure. fine, fine, okay, uh, sure, people would want to read that, but then. VC is such a bonkers town human that she's like, Tar in the hair. Oh, let's spend an entire page talking about ruffly panties. And you're just like, like, okay, no. (laughs) Let's not. You're like, I can relate to this, but no, not this part. This part's very off. Like, no. So I called it, like, premise-wise, payoff foolish. Like, like the premise is okay, but then the you're like this, I'm not nope. nope not sold Mary, nope. can, I, can I make a, a recommendation to tweak your category yeah premise wise the clown premise wise oh. the clown I like it yeah oh my god I think you just won it with premise wise the clown thank you for the yeah. assist yep. friend Alley. you're leaving Ooh. me hanging oh is that, I, I can't you. see <laughs> um okay next up we have Annie on my mind by Nancy Garden that's your book Kate yep so Annie Ooh, on my mind get it Kate Take it away. Annie on my mind is a story of two baby gays falling in love in New York at age 17 in like 1982. And it's written by Nancy Garden, who was a baby gay herself um, as a teenager in the 1950s. So um, I just like to use that to set the stage of if some of it seems like dated and a little bit um, almost too like too sanitized, um, I, I blame it on that. You know. Anyway, so it's about Liza, who goes to private school, has a thorough moral compass, like it's literally never told a lie, and is well liked enough that without her even campaigning, someone nominated her as student council president, and the school elected her. Wow! Did she also sit directly behind the bus driver on <laughs> her school bus, just like a Kelly she really did? Might. <laughs> So she's close to her brother and her mom and dad. And one day she meets Annie, a student from a rough public school, not oh, like her oh private God. school, uh, with oh. very different life experiences than her. And they start a fast and intimate friendship that very quickly blurs the line of friendship and intimacy into love. Meanwhile, Liza's private school is on the verge of closing because they don't have any funds and are new students, causing Principal Poindexter, yes, that <laughs> is her. Uh, Nancy, no. what? <laughs> no, 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 no. To be especially scandal averse during the fundraising efforts, she's sure that like any scandal is going to like basically cause the school to shut down. I mean, I think so that that's how Liza... that's how companies work, right? Yeah, like that yeah. also sounds like an episode of Saved by the Bell, and that's absolutely <laughs> that's absolutely why a... Donald Trump is not our president yes. right now, right? Because oh, we can't. Right. The people will not stand for a scandal. Oh Naria one. Naria one. <laughs> Naria scandal should pass these lips. Naria French fried scandal. Mm. <laughs> Naria scandaled potato will pass these lips. Oh, God. Scandaled potato sounds like a potato somebody had sex with. Or I'll be like every <laughs> boss I've ever had. Sounds like a band name, scandaled potato. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kate. Go ahead. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> okay, so... um. 
Liza gets in serious trouble as a result because uh, she sees that Sally, a fellow student, is conducting an ear piercing clinic at lunch, and <laughs> because she doesn't either report Sally for uh. causing physical harm to people by piercing their ears. Um, physical harm? They are, yeah, they're uh, both suspended, and Sally feels really terrible about this. Like, it's, like, the worst thing you could possibly do, not just, like, I don't know, piercing ears. And so, like, she finds, like, Jesus, basically, and takes over the fundraising efforts. Anyway, wait, she, so, hold on. I'm sorry, I need clarification. So a woman comes to Jesus, literally, because she was running <laughs> a secret underground ear piercing parlor, and she feels terrible guilt about that? Uh-huh, yeah. No, she cried a lot about it. To be fair, both Liza and the titular Annie are like, that's dumb. You don't need to feel that bad about it. But Good. anyway, the point is, there's a lot of pearl clutching in this culture that they are surrounded by. So while Liza's suspended, she and Annie spend all their time together. So Liza develops all the baby gay feelings of being in love, but trying to reconcile new identities she's never considered with all the feelings and excitement of a first queer love. Uh, they kiss, and Annie admits that she thinks she's gay. Uh, meanwhile, there are two female teachers who live together, and no one thinks it's weird. They're just, you know, <laughs> they're nuns. They're nuns. They're going on vacation for spring break together, and they need someone to cat sit, which um, Liza volunteers to do. So Liza and Annie pretty much live in this house, like, and pretend like, you know, they are, you know, adults getting to live together in their little lesbian love affair, um, enjoying an idyllic getaway, having sex, but then you don't go up to the third floor because that would be totally rude until a cat is stuck up on the third floor oh. and then they have to go up there and, and they see the bedroom <laughs> and they realize, you know, they find like books about like female homosexuality, which is like what the book is titled. So anyway, this the book is titled the book is Female they... Homosexuality? Yeah. Who wrote and they're that? Like, they're like us. And so, um, yeah, they ended up uh, boning upstairs after, in order to like make them as innocent as possible, these girls like do a lot of like, make-believe um and that's fine but like putting pots on your head and jousting and then like falling into bed together and fucking like i'm i'm sorry and falling into bed together and making love um, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't feel very believable but anyway because do they describe how so they happy, make love uh no like it's so and that's yeah also, do they please, describe guys, guys? like oh Annie's face is just so beautiful. Sometimes seeing something so beautiful is hard to look at the way that the light is on her and then we made love. You know do what I mean? Describe... Like, so there's no, like, there's no description do of they sex. Des... It's no, it's no forever dot dot dot. Do they, you know? do, they des... do they describe how each other's rubies feel or like what? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, nothing that, like that. that, just, that, like, kinda, just... that, that sucks. All right, no. carry on. Mm. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> just, how, just how good it feels. Is, is Ruby the, so, the feminine, feminine version of Ralph? Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, also, like, Ruby Fruit was, like, of one of an early lesbian book. It yeah. doesn't matter. Oh, okay. It does. That's, I actually, I remember reading that book and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I remember So, reading. uh, so Liza's so happy that she forgets she has a student council meeting, and Sally Ugh. goes to try and find her at her house, and oh, her no. parents are like, I think she's over at the teacher's house. And she goes over and she knocks and knocks and no one answers because they're having sex and can't hear anything. And so she knows that uh, a school administrator lives down the street. So she goes to her and is like, I think that there are robbers in there because there are lights on, but no one's coming to the door. There's a lot oh, some- of moany robbers in there. <laughs> but somebody's coming to the door. <laughs> So uh, this administrator, who apparently has always suspected these teachers are gay, is, like, 
real eager to grab this opportunity to snoop in the place and out these women. So they bang on the door, and finally Liza and Annie hear it. And she's like, if you don't open the door, I'm going to call the police. So Liza pulls on jeans and a shirt and goes downstairs, and they make a big deal about how she was only wearing jeans and a shirt, which I'd like to say... Feels like a lot of clothing. So I feel like it feels like a hundred percent the amount of clothing you would have if you were in a home. As opposed, right. Well, as opposed oh, nice. to not wearing comfy pants. What's wrong yeah. with her? Yeah. Uh, Maybe uh, that's why they were like jeans. There's no way she wouldn't be wearing PJs. <laughs> right. Uh, so she goes and answers the door, and they burst in, and and they're like, "What are you doing here?" And uh, this administrator's like, "I need to go upstairs. There might be, you know, terrible things might be happening." So Liza tries to stop her. And they both look up, and Annie's there, only wearing, I swear to God, they call it a lumber jacket, over and over again. Oh, <laughs> An oversized lumber jacket, awesome. and she's trying to run into another you know, room to hide. You know, so as a poor one. As a as so with a poor and a lesbian, she's wearing a lumber jacket. Oh, God. Uh-huh, yeah, real long lumber jacket. Yeah. So, uh... Annie comes downstairs and she and Liza hold hands while uh, the teacher goes all over, while the administrator goes all over saying she's looking for other young lovers, you know, like, (laughs) she's looking for the dudes. What are you (laughs) talking about? Where are your boyfriends? (laughs) Yeah. So so then she sees the books and right at that moment, wouldn't you know, the teachers come home early and they're like, what are you all doing in our house? Just say, what are you doing not taking care of our cat? There's an no, awful yeah, lot of shit in that litter that. box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're basically like, um, excuse me, can you please get out? And she's like, you are a lesbian. You've made these girls lesbians. And you all, you know, whatever. And so they kick them out. And then they basically are like, I, one of them is really mad. It's like, I can't believe you, uh, you, you know, you, I can't believe you used our house this way. And the next day, they Fair. talk again. They're like, when we were 17, we might have done the same thing because we've been together that long, too. And, you know, it's sweet, fine. Oh. Whatever. They're, yeah, they're really sweet about it. They end up being, like, a really lovely couple to them. And mm. so when they go back to school, though, Liza's immediately called in the principal's office, who basically acts like Liza did this to her. You know, like, her being gay is, like, a personal affront. So not only did she have sex, but she had sex with a woman and a scandal. And so she gets suspended indefinitely pending an expulsion hearing. Um, and she goes home and she lies to her mom, then says that, like, no, it's just innocent experimentation, like her mom said. No, we didn't go beyond kissing, which she knows is a lie. And her dad comes home and is basically like, uh, I don't need you to tell me what's going on. You know, I, I wish I were more charitable. I thought I was charitable about gay people, but I mean, I feel like that's going to be a hard life. And, you know, I would feel like that would be sad for anyone. So no one's bad to her, but she just cries all the time because she's never lied to her parents ever before and blah, 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 blah. And they go next the expulsion hearing, uh, finds that, um, some people there think it's ridiculous because uh, it doesn't have anything to do with schoolwork and it didn't, you know, hurt anyone. But she doesn't have to fish to go on record saying she's gay. And in fact, the board's like, I mean, I think your parents should be concerned that you're gay, but I don't think that has anything to do with us. So she doesn't get suspended. Which, Basically, I mean, they so. enact don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> they're like, they're exactly. like, I mean, that's tough. Okay. <laughs> but they, but apparently, they fired the teachers, and Sally testified saying that like. Liza idolized them and that's why she was gay and Liza later on has to be like I think I would have been gay anyway like her brother asked her about her being gay and it's like do you have to be that way and she says I am that way which I feel like is you know as good an answer as any but um this whole book is her like in college uh 
um, six months later, and she has never written to Annie. And Annie said she's going to stop writing notes until she hears back. So it's only as she's remembering all this and reliving it that she remembers going to the teacher's house with Annie and feeling so bad. And they were like, listen, this isn't the first time this has happened. It's not going to be the last. And her teacher says to her, um, don't punish yourself for people's ignorant reactions to what we all are. Don't let ignorance win. Let love. And it's only as she's remembering this that she actually lets that advice sink in. So she calls Annie and they just cry on the phone about how much they love each other. And <laughs> Annie's going to fly to Boston. They're all going to drive to New York together. And every and like that's their happily ever after of them like literally crying. Me like, I just love you so much. And I'm so happy. And that's it. And they're the going to live an excellent Ralph-free life. Good oh my for God, them. No. Who needs Ralph? Or, or. Listen. Who needs Ralph? Hey. <laughs> my wife. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Well, Andrew. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Do you call your penis Ralph? No, you know I don't. Yeah, Dexter. Yeah, you don't. Please. <laughs> Point Dexter. Point Dexter. Oh God. Point oh. Dexter. <laughs> I would say Kelly. That is the funniest name for a penis that anyone could possibly have. Point Dexter. Points. Point Dexter. Dexter. To Kelly. That's a that's, Dexter's to Kelly. That's an nope. uncomfortable sentence. No, to no, say. don't point your penis at Kelly. She doesn't necessarily nope, want nope, it. Nope, 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 nope. So I think that the thing that this book does real well is um, the author herself was like, I wanted to have two gay people like have a happy relationship. She literally says, I want to tell the story of our people and um, for them to be happy. And also, she talks about like the internal struggle that Liza experiences, like the coming out struggle. I feel like is very real she calls it she really wants to communicate like the lesbian consciousness i think she does that well there are a lot of things are contrived the girls like literally playing make-believe constantly it's contrived like but and there's so much pearl clutching but <laughs> anyway but the quotes i want to read are um at one point she's saying have you ever felt really close to someone so close you can't understand why you and the, why you and the other person have separate bodies two separate skins and Oh my god, that's like the gayest thing I've ever heard. I don't know. <laughs> like that is such a thing that literally lesbians uh, have said to me, and I've said to them. Like this idea that like you almost like could melt into them. Like you just feel so connected. It's yeah, super gay. Anyway, um, <laughs> we mean this all in the so, best possible way. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Totally. Uh, another really good one. It's about like her wrestling with herself. It was like a war inside me. I couldn't even recognize all the sides. There's one that said, no, this is wrong. You know it's wrong and bad and simple. The fact that she's having premarital sex or sex with a woman. And there was another that said, nothing has ever felt so right and natural and true and good. And another that said it was happening too fast. Another that just wanted to stop thinking altogether and fling my arms around Annie and hold her forever. There were other sides too, but I couldn't sort them out. Yeah. yeah, so those are uh, those are quotes I like. Um, also, oh, yeah, she she does a lot of, because she's such an honest person, thinking through, like, whether or not, like, this is actually wrong, like, what really is immorality, and what does helping someone really mean, helping them be like everyone else, or helping them be themselves. So um, Liza's internal journey is really interesting and makes this book worth reading, uh, if for no other reason. Also, it ends happily, you know? It's yeah. sweet. Which is a good change of pace for this list of things we've um, reviewed. And a good change totally. of... Totally. And also for gay literature in yeah. general. Like, yeah. the only yeah. other lesbian-centered story before this, like, it was released about the same year, ends with, like, a, the girl getting brutally raped by a homophobe and then her partner leaving her because she got raped. Oh, my God. You know? So, that wow. was the contrast. Wowie, uh, wow, 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 wow. This one's lovely. Yeah. Uh, with you guys. Yeah. So, what do you have? What do you have category-wise? 
My category is uh, another one that's already been out, which is the kids are all, are all right with doing it because there's a lot of lost <laughs> and also the kids are all right because that was because they're a terrible lesbian movie that literally included a lesbian having to have sex with a man because she just really needed a penis anyway it doesn't matter go on <laughs> what is a what ralph is, a ralph use the technical term a ralph. <laughs> I'm, sorry, a ralph. I'm sorry she needs a ralph in her life and uh she needs to get a man oh in <laughs> yes <Yeah. Stop. laughs> um so this so right so this book Obviously important, obviously good, obviously problems. And it literally reminded me of this woman that my mother read The Handmaid's Tale with, who was telling me about a documentary about crumping that she went to go see at the local art house theater. Interesting. And she was like, and I was watching it, and I was watching these children just shimmy and jive, and I realized that's how I've been dancing my whole life. (laughs) And I was like... What? No! Even as, like, uh, even as a 14-year-old, I was like, no. (laughs) No, you haven't. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the kind of, the need to, the need to sanitize and, and depict what people are doing to express themselves and who they truly are in a way that is palatable for you know, white, middle-class, middle-aged people to the detriment of the truth of the story. Like, I don't think that most teenage sex is pure. And it doesn't have to be. It's lusty and it's sweaty and it's like fumbling and it's it's like gross, right? And that's okay. Well, and, and you that's... feel like you're discovering sex for the right. first time and no one else has ever done this. Like, and that all is also clearly a part of like both the youth experience and a queer experience because those things are you know they're not yeah yeah so i I feel i I feel like the innocence of this makes me think that it's an npr fun drive bag full of karabi (laughs) (laughs) like we're kind of yeah it's good but there are issues Hmm. no it totally should be could and should be contemporized and there should be a little bit more bodice ripping to it you know yeah it should be a little lusty it's fine yeah we can handle it yeah yeah yeah. Uh, my category was swipe right for teen sex. Mm-hmm. Fair. I really love it. Thanks. I think we're seeing a pattern here because my category was textual awakening. <laughs> I think Mary is 100% right. Yeah. It is an NPR fun bag full of Kohlrabi. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Fun drive bag. Fun drive bag. Thank you. It is hard to snap. Fun just bag. Fun bags. Fun bags. It's full of breasts. <laughs> it's an NPR breast. Wow. Oh. Moving in. Moving it Um, So there we have one outstanding book, which is not on the banned book list. <laughs> and it's the first book that anyone picked to read. You yeah. know, we released this list and people went through it and picked things that they wanted to read. Um, and it was chosen by Andrew. Indeed it was. And it is. Enthusiastically. The, enthusiastically. Yeah. And it is The Babysitter's Club, colon, Dawn and the Surfer Ghost by Anne M. Martin. Now, you might ask, just before, Andrew, you launch it, why is this on the list if it's not subversive? Well, I think we all know that there were the kids who really wanted that pan pizza. (laughs) And they were a little bit too old (laughs) to be reading the Babysitter's Club. But they would just tear through them just to get to that sweet, sweet pie. 
I mean, in their defense, this took me like an hour and a half to read. <laughs> it was not. It was not a dense piece. I so it's subversive because it's not subversive <laughs> and it's too young. Although <laughs> Anne M. Martin recently has come out and said that a she's queer, which is amazing, and b that she wrote Babysitters Club to encourage young women to make that sweet, sweet green money and be entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I will say um, that definitely is a big theme. Um, this particular book, I, this is the only... Uh, you haven't uh, read all of them? I have not read any other Babysitter Club's book. I, baby, Babysitter <laughs> Club <laughs> books. I don't know if I will. I didn't we particularly... We do have another one about arson in a library. Well, I'll read that one. Yeah, <gasps> Did no. you get it? I want to read that one. We'll pass it about. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, I think that that is a predominant theme, obviously, that is sort of like the, the crux of this entire enterprise. But this particular book, from what I gathered, um, it, 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 it seems to sort of move away from the conventional Babysitter's Club presentation that is not a story about the club solving a mystery, but rather one member of the club displaced from her, from uh, heavenly her Stony Brook, Connecticut, and placed somewhere in California with her father. Um Somewhere on a coast, I assume. Oh, absolutely. Very close to the coast. <laughs> I, I assume L.A., both because of the surfing and because of the the, brut- the brutal attitude the police <laughs> showed during the course of this book. <laughs> what? It's, what year did it come out? Oh, 1993. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. Can't we all just get along? Oh, my God. Um, so... I feel like I, my description of uh, Go Ask Alice we, we took a bit of time. This is not going to take a lot of time. It was quite fluffy. So Dawn is a member of the Babysitter's Club. Uh, she's spending a few months living with her dad in California and desperately misses her pals in the BSC. Uh, luckily, there is a West Coast branch of the Babysitter's Club called, I shit you not, the We Love Kids Club. Uh, their branding is not quite not quite as uh, solid. Do you think that Christopher from Flowers in the Attic is like, uh, may I become a member? I guarantee it. Um, so it's worth noting that the, the We Love Kids Club, uh, spilled with a heart for love throughout the book, is really just the the worst version of the Babysitters Club. They 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 don't even eat junk food. Ugh. They love. Well, they're in California. Food. They are like so aggressively cliched California. It's insane. Like they're surfing and they only eat health food. Is Don is uh, Don the one that has dia- the the beets the no, diabetes? No, I don't believe so. One of them does. One mm. of them does. Oh, I, one of them definitely does because I remember one of the one of the things that stuck out was um, the first or second chapter was an extensive explanation of all the members of the Babysitters <laughs> Club who are not in this book. <laughs> oh man! But did you get to Claudia? Yeah, Claudia yeah. sounds rad. Claudia's totally rad. I want to be, be friends with Claudia. She sounds like the Claudia's best. the coolest. Claudia. You rad. Uh, also, anyway. like the only Asian woman to ever be in children's literature in the 90s. I do love. Okay, it's so like the Joy Luck Club in yeah, Claudia. That's, that's so, it. So this is the thing I recall. Be, speaking uh, as a, a, a mixed race man who was a child in the 90s, I recall being a kid and reading books just in general. And people really, I'd forgotten about this until I read this book, with the, the tendency to really mention the race of kids very, like... That's true, yeah. yeah. Claudia is a Japanese-American. <laughs> or like, Japanese, but also American. Yeah, and Let me blow a, your mind. I can't, I can't recall the name of the, the, the junior member of the Babysitter's Club, BSC, who is an African-American girl. But literally, yeah, I, I remember that being such a thing mm. when I was a kid, because it really stood She's out. She's a ballerina, I remember. Yeah. I remember her covers, but I don't remember her name. Like and Kathy. I, it's interesting, because I remember feeling... Like Kathy. I remember feeling a bit special when I read it, but also being like, oh, God, 
tone it down. Oh, when someone was like, a mixed race boy (laughs) with a black dad and a white mom. You're like, you're you're nailing me a little bit too much. (laughs) Yeah, like, I I appreciate the representation, but like, just like, be cool about it, man. Just be chill. Just be chill. It's okay. We exist. We know. I, yeah. Anyway, that's a tangent. But anyway, so back to back to the Dawn and the Surfer Ghost, this the glorified Scooby-Doo mystery uh, without the excitement of a Scooby-Doo episode. Um, so um, Dawn is with the lame. Literally, she describes the We Love Kids Club as being less organized than the Babysitter's Club, not into junk food and not into mysteries. So I'm like, why are you even bothering? <laughs> she is the most boring member of the Babysitter's Club. I remember that. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I I've only read a few Babysitter's Club books, but I was like Don, the worst. Yeah, Don. I Don is. Not, I'm not a huge fan. Anyway, so Don is out west. She gets into surfing, starts taking lessons with the intent to participate in the amateur division of a generic surfing competition uh, out there. Three months. That's all it takes. <laughs> Three months. That's all it takes. Um, I don't see why I can't master this in like a week. Whatever. Yeah, that's great. Win some competitions. So, sure. so yeah, so Don gets into surfing with some of these West Coast jokers uh, slash imposters. Are uh, any of them Stony Balonies? No, no. Of oh, course they're Lord. not. Well, I mean, like all of the surfers probably, but that's not explicitly mentioned. Um, she starts taking lessons, and one day she meets. Get ready for this, guys. Thrash, <gasps> the best surfer. <laughs> Thrash, who brags. Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thrash, who brags about traveling the world. Riding sick waves to a 13-year-old girl in a way that is a little bit creepy. Um, Does he have a home or just a van? He is referred many times, too, too many as times, a vagrant. as a vagrant and a bum, despite traveling the world. Uh, is it, he like Tony Hawk, but wait. for serving, and they're like, he's a bum. Like, Doesn't she have like a kind of a love affair with him? Did I make not, that up? It's not a love affair. She clearly has like a thing for him because he's so cool. His name is Thrash. His name is Thrash, Thrash for God's sake. So he's a bum. He's like a yeah, so Thrash is a cool bum who rides the waves, and, he... and despite being a bum, can afford to travel the world, and imports custom-made surfboard wax from Hawaii. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a... As he like orders a... it from Hawaii? Hawaii as, like, a yeah. living, or as... No, no, like, oh. to make him a better surfer. This is... This is... <laughs> so he's, like, because like, he's got a job. So, so without without a permanent address, he, like, knows a guy in Hawaii who makes custom wax for Who will him. send him wax. Yeah. Man, this is definitely before Prime now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question, real Please quick. Please ask your question. If your name is Thrash, what do you call your Ralph? <laughs> Ripper. Oh, <laughs> God! <laughs> True. <laughs> All right, so, um, so Thrash, she meets Thrash. He flirts with her, kind of. It's super weird. Next day, Thrash is bored, washes up on the beach, mangled, and Thrash oh. is presumed dead. Then, pr- then mysteriously, soon afterwards, uh, at night, a short, a, a man, a, a spectral figure with short dark hair is surfing in the distance and spooking everybody out. For some reason, people assume that Thrash, that this is Thrash's ghost, despite the fact that Thrash had long blonde hair. Point of order, I would yeah. say he's a bum and he doesn't have long hair. What oh, yeah. a rip! He's got, you know, he's got long blonde hair. The ghost, the quote unquote ghost, the ghost, has, has short, hair. short oh, maybe, dark hair. But maybe that happened when he got chomped by that shark. Maybe. Oh, we know what happens. I'll explain it to you in just a bit. So this mysterious. <laughs> Non-thrash-looking ghost of thrash is about, and all of a sudden, people, other surfers start experiencing other accidents. Somebody's tampering with their boards, uh, messing with their imported with wax. Their imported, no, thrash is dealing with the imported wax. It's oh. a key detail in the story. Everybody else messing has with their domestic, domestic wax. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, so yeah. So thrash. So like 
fascist ghost is about. And people's boards start breaking and people like aren't really getting injured, but like trouble is happening. And then also mysteriously, not mysteriously, but like realistically, a, a short a short haired youth who nobody recognizes starts working in the local snack shop about the same time this short haired gentleman is surfing no 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 there's a okay here's the thing there's a short haired ghost there's a short haired guy who works at the restaurant who works really hard (laughs) wears wraparound sunglasses to look like a space cadet that's a quote um Pardon? Actually, yeah. <laughs> Where are the glasses? Where are the on, glasses? On his, on his, on his peepers. Not on the back of his head. Nope. Are you sure he's not Guy Fieri? Well, he's got a <laughs> short dark hair. He's got a storm back there. So pre anyway, pre bleach. So so literally, like after Dawn sees this guy, after like a minute, she's like, "Oh, that's Thrash. That's explicitly Thrash." Like, does nobody else? Does nobody else realize that this is Thrash? Like his, it's clearly he has like a tan line from his long hair that he just cut off. Apparently, he has a hair. That is hilarious. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my whole life. A large tan line on his finger because of the large snake ring that he was wearing. (gasps) And he has the exact same ear piercings as Thrash. Also, his face looks exactly like Thrash. Despite the sunglasses. (laughs) And And his body. glasses like Clark Kent. Yeah, no, it's it's so, it's like, oh God. So like, yeah. So basically, Don follows him and confronts him as he is mysteriously tampering with people's boards. <gasps> and she's like, Thrash, you're alive. He's like, yeah. And I'm the ghost. And she's like, wait, what? It's like, God damn it, Don. Yeah, come on. So she Thrash is messing with a board and she's like, did you do this? Did you do this to all the other surfers? And he's like, no, this is the first time I messed with the board. And the owner of this board is the one who messed with my board and nearly got me killed. Also bored. Also bored. Bored. And Don's and like, th- which describes Andrew's feelings. While oh my god! Basically, yes. <laughs> um, so Don is like, Thrash, don't do that. I've got a plan. Thrash is like, tell me your plan. Let's do it. Her plan: go to the police. <laughs> <laughs> the police. It's worth noting when she initially. <laughs> <laughs> when she initially approached them after Thrash's death, I, I, I kind of skipped this part. After Thrash theoretically or supposedly died, nobody cared. But Not a single person gave even a fraction. He's a vagrant. And like when she went to the cops, the, the 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 hip cops in their short pants and jeeps, they're like, oh, the surfer died. Uh, which which surfer died? Oh, no one cares. We're not going to find. Basically, oh, like, we're, Thrash? Yeah, oh, basically, no. well, we're not going to figure this out. We, we go up. It's Impossible. It's, now yeah. if it was Ripper. Myster- oh, Mystery solved, shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so she's like, she tells Thrash to go to the police. Then the next day during the big competition, Thrash reappears. His hair is still short, but it's dyed back blonde. Oh, thank God. Yeah. And then, Can and you then. think of how terrible his hair must feel? Oh it must God. be fried. Oh, yeah. yeah. Plus the salt water. But Plus he's like, he must be getting a terrible burn on his Oh, my God. His, his bare neck. But he's like, I'm back from the dead, guys. It was the 90s. We didn't wear sunscreen then. <laughs> Just tanning oil. Just baby oil. Oh, my God. Sploot some back there. Yeah. But he's like, I'm back from the dead. And then one of the other surfers, by the name of Gonzo, flips out. Does and he then, shoot himself out of a cannon? No, no. He's like, oh, God! <laughs> Does he have a, a sexual relationship with a chicken? <laughs> I mean, the book didn't delve into it, but one assumes. Is he a weirdo? Is, in fact, Gonzo the Muppet. He flips out, and then a bunch of undercover cops who are pretending to be surfers descend upon Gonzo and, quote, pull out their badges from their jams. <laughs> jams being long-legged swim trunks from the 90s. <laughs> That they just had their police badges in, and so these cops who did Where not were their guns. Great question. Uh, right by the Ralphs. To their Ralphs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this this surfer who is on the cops didn't care about. 
uh, is suddenly uh, parting with, uh, uh, working with the cops to arrest Gonzo. They do. The competition goes on as normal. Don gets third place in amateur. Thrash gets first place and wins money and goes to Australia. But before he does, he gives Don his snake ring as a memento. <gasps> oh, love. This was a weird book. <laughs> and I felt weird about it. There's also a subplot I won't get into, but it involves a couple of creepy twins. Oh, that Jesus. was much scarier oh, than the ghost. Is this who she's babysitting? No, no, this is the case. Who does Don like, babysit over yeah, she babysit? She babys- she, well, she like is a part of a, she does, she's in this We Heart Kids Club, but she also like is a part of a program that watches kids on the beach. It so was she very does. Big. That's yeah. not safe. You don't want a child watching another child yeah. on the beach. Yeah. You know, the, the babysitter's club in general seems pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Where are all these parents going? They're in California, so I don't know. <laughs> Could be massage parlors. What about Connecticut? I don't know. There are Stony Baloney dope fiends. They're, they're, going, dope they're fiends. going to not Alice's boutique to talk about how, how bummed out they get when they go on a bad trip. And buying diaries for their to save their lives. <laughs> and being like and being like, I nary ate too many French fries potatoes. So yeah, um so yeah, this book was this book is weird. Um my category so I... Oh please, yes. Can I real quickly tell you a pop culture tie-in between yes. this book? Uh, I don't know if you all ever watched season one of uh, Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. Of course. Mm-hmm. But, but literally, she figures out that um, Xanthepi is lying uh, to her friends about having a boyfriend because she talks about, like, spending the summer in California with her grandparents and meeting a guy named Thrash. And that was literally the only book that was found in the bunker. Ah, so Peter ah, Schmidt ah. knows it by oh heart. And God. literally like, all her on the plot line. It was like, oh yeah, your boyfriend Thrash because he was hiding because he didn't want to get stuff like destroyed by the other the other surfer before the competition. It's a really great scene. That's amazing. Guys, oh, the world makes sense again. It makes sense. Yeah. I know. Everything is connected. Anyway. Tina Fey Beautiful. loves us. The butterfly effect. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what do you have categorized? Oh, what do I have for categories? I, uh, because this is sort of a subtler one, because I guess it doesn't speak to the main action, but one of the driving dynamics of this whole situation in this book is the uh, complex family situation, like Don's mother fell in love with a guy when she was young then they split up and then her husband died i don't even remember basically there's a whole narrative about families that drive this so i went with the shady bunch Mm. it's also a couple of creepy twins that i didn't talk about but i recommend reading the book just for that part of the story (laughs) yeah it's hard to uh, have based our categorization off of the scary twins. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean <laughs> much much like another famous nautical novel, uh, Moby Dick. There are some interesting, uh, interesting <laughs> tangents around the book, primarily around babysitting other situation, other babysitting situations uh, that aren't related really to ghosts or murder, but are also scarier than ghosts. So, anyway, call me Dawn. Call me Don. Call me Don. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Thrash. Speaking of imported wax. <laughs> Speaking oh, of babysitting. Yeah. Speaking of babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn and Carolyn, the creepy twins in Connecticut. That's their Is names. that their names? Yeah. Anyway. It's pretty close to Carrie. Uh-oh. Are they lollipops? Oh, they have big old heads and teeny tiny little bodies like Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> um, Kate. What's yours? 
Um, We're going in a circle and your phone is in between Mary and Andrew. <laughs> True. And I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. Oh, I love it. <laughs> True. I love it. Uh, um, I called this a decom Disney Channel original movie. Oh. <laughs> Johnny Tsunami. Yes. What? Also, Don on the Server Ghost. <laughs> uh, I. <Indeed>. Yeah. <laughs> I think that if since there were so many people who couldn't tell that Johnny Tsunami was the same person who just cut his hair, has tan lines, that they were all <laughs> robo tripping through the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Nice. Oh, man. Hmm. I feel like mine's kind of the weakest, despite the fact that I read the book. It had the most to say about it. Just because. Oh my god, no! I did not think you were. So, I also oh, well, just love you. category name, but um, oh. yeah, totally. I Shady Bones is the week. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I would think you should. Rec- I think you should remove yourself from the race. I'll uh, leave the room. <laughs> Kate, sorry, you have to be mean. <laughs> yeah. I I think Mary's is the best. Yeah. Jason Nami. It's also my only one. Love it. Love it. Cheating. But. Yeah, you are the person who made us never do one-offs. But <laughs> yeah. You're the person who does the we... most one-offs. Well, lately. it's hard with it's hard this, with seven things. It's hard things. with a small list. I did it. You did it. I did. Yeah, I didn't know one-offs. Congratulations, you guys. I, I didn't know. You guys get a nice red ribbon. Uh-huh. All right. Next up, we have the face on the milk carton by Carolyn B. Cooney. This is mine. Bum, bum, bum. I read this. I also read this when I was a child. Yeah. This is maybe the only thing on this book that... Well, I, I also listened in an audiobook to Go Ask Alice. But I definitely read this. Yeah, Go Ask Alice is the only one that I read. Just and for guess what? This book is just as tedious as I remember it being <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> so, the story is about a 15-year-old girl named Janie who's having lunch at school, innocently enough. And she notices that the missing person photo on the back of her milk carton is a photo of her three-year-old self. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> great premise. That's a great premise. Mm-hmm. Then she spends the rest of the book wrestling with the idea that she was kidnapped without really doing much about it. She confronts, <laughs> she confronts her parents, quote-unquote, with this information, and they tell her that, come to find out, they are actually her grandparents and that her mother, Hannah, joined the Harry Krishnas, which they always frame as a cult. Huh. I did not know it was the Harry Krishnas. I only thought it was a cult. That is hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, At the very, very hilarious. end of the book, they were like, "Some Harry, speaking of Harry Krishnas, some of them are okay, but also some of them are not. Are there women Harry Krishnas? Yeah. All of these are good questions, none of which are answered by Cooney. Excellent. Okay. Um, one day, uh, and so Hannah like runs off, becomes a Harry Krishna. She comes back one day with this girl, Janie, and drops and like spends a couple days with her family. They think she's gonna stay for good, and then she takes off because she's addicted to the cult, just like drugs. <laughs> but leaves Janie behind. No diary. No diary. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably dead. I don't know. Um. And the her grandparents, of course, are love little three year old Janie, raise her as their own daughter, um, move around a lot to avoid the cult, change everybody's names. Janie can't get a driver's license because they don't have her birth certificate. You know, normal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, what normal rational people do if something like this happens? Oh yeah, how old is she at the beginning of this? I, you she's, might have already said that. Oh, so she's fifteen now, and she was three when she entered yeah. her grandparents' life. Excellent. Okay. Around 
all of this time, Janie starts a relationship with her neighbor, neighbor Reeve, who is 17 years old. No. And named Reeve? And together... And Chris, a guy named Thrash. Yeah, yeah Reeve. Okay. Uh, the, Reeve's no not No Tino Shea, no lemonade. <laughs> together, they drive uh, to creep on her real family in New Jersey. And they always... There are things about Janie, like she has this wild red hair that they keep... They will not get over and the physics of her hair it's does like not Harry make Potter. S- yeah yeah the physics of her hair does not make sense like they're like the cafeteria <laughs> they describe the scene where they're like the cafeteria was so small despite the halls of the school being so huge and her hair was in everybody's faces i'm like what <laughs> how is that possible but um <laughs> so they go they drive to new jersey and they creep on her real family that all have red hair bum, bum, bum. oh no um, and while they're doing that, Janie recovers a memory that she was actually kidnapped by a young woman who bought her an ice cream sundae and then took her for a ride in a fast car, uh, from, like plucked her out of a shopping mall. Uh-huh. And this fact that she left so willingly with this woman and abandoned her family makes her feel incredibly guilty. And basically she has a nervous breakdown about that mm. and is like, I'm terrible all the time. In the end... Reeve, Janie, and her parents, parenthetical grandparents, deduce, like they just decide that this is fact, that Hannah must have been the kidnapper from the shopping mall, and that, and then her mother slash grandma insists that Janie must call her real parents because they've lived with this for so long, like worrying about her and are still looking for her clearly, Um, even though that might mean that the real parents will pers- will pursue legal action and, and insist that Janie come back to them because she's still a minor. Um, and the book ends with Janie making that call and saying, hi, it's your daughter, me, Janie. <laughs> and that's the end of the book. Wow. And then, of course, dun, 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 dun. and then, of course, there are like other books that go on and describe what happens. But... This book is super weird because Carolyn B. Cooney has sort of this, like, dreamy style of writing, mm-hmm. which is sort of fun to read, but to, like, just have basically Janie be like, I was kidnapped, but maybe I wasn't, but I love my parents, but they're not my parents, but I saw those people with red hair, but I should forget about New Jersey. Like, back and forth, and this makes you feel like you're actually going crazy and <laughs> makes you resent her trauma, which is a really rough, a weird thing. rough thing to experience. Ugh. Also, Janie is deeply unlikable and weird. And I'm going to read you some things about Janie to prove my point. <clears throat> Janie is... Uh... So Janie, of course, like the whole central thesis is, of course, it starts out with her being like, I'm not happy with myself. And then, of course, she finds out that she's not herself and what a nightmare that, that actually yeah. is. So it starts off with her messing around with her name. She gradually changed her name. Jane was too dull. Last year, she added a Y and became becoming Janie, but with a Y, like Janie, which had more personality and was sexier. To her last name, Johnson, she added a T and then <gasps> later an E at the end. I know. I was like, I, was like, oh I have such God. a sexy name, guys. Uh, and then later an E at the end. And then I was like, oh. I would never go by John Stone. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, that would be awful. That's also, a terrible name. You don't just get to change your last name. So then she was Janie <laughs> Johnstone. Her best friends, Shara Charlotte Sherwood. and <laughs> Shut up. No. And Adair Odell had wonderful tongue-twisting memorable names. 
Why was the last name Johnson? Hardly a name at all. More like a page out of the phone book, am I right? Then her parents chose Jane. <laughs> Could they have named her Scarlet or Allegra, perhaps Roxanne? Now she took out the H of Johnson and added a second Y to Janie. Janie Johnstone looked like the name you would find if you designed sequin gowns for a living or pointed at prizes on television shows. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It sounds like if your job was pointing at Ralph's in pornographic <laughs> movies. <laughs> wow, Janie. Um, Janie is lactose. Too real. Hmm? Too real. Too real. No. Janie is lactose intolerant. And uh, this causes some problems because, of course, we need to get her with the milk carton. That's the whole point of this book. <laughs> Why? Why would you make her lactose intolerant? Well, I mean, good-ass milk, question. Milk is a prominent theme in this good story. Good-ass question. Instead, what they decide to do is make her lactose intolerant and obsessed with milk. Here it is. <laughs> what? Everybody but Janie Johnson got milk. Cardboard carton so small that you needed at least three, but the lunch ladies would never let you. Janie was envious. All those luckies are swinging down nice, thick, white milk, she thought. And I'm stuck with cranberry juice. Oh, Janie. Oh, my God. That's the grossest description of milk that I've ever heard. I enjoy drinking milk, and that is That makes me feel like so hey, gross. He's like, hey, hey I'm pro-milk. Hey, Kelly, as, as, a, as a big fan of drinking milk. I'm not come, come, a fan as of drinking milk. As a person who comes from yeah. people who are of milk. A milk family, if you will. What are your thoughts? Listen, my well. family drinks milk with dinner, okay? It's weird. It's, I don't think it's as weird as you put it as. I mean, it's kind I, of... I buy a small thing of milk, and I put milk in my tea and my coffee. Kate, and if, I Kate, if you were sitting down I drink to... a giant glass of it, I feel great. Kate, if you were sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner, would you have a glass of milk with it? No, I'd have bourbon or wine yeah. and water. Yeah. My yeah. family would no, have milk. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Sorry, wine and, wine and water, Kate? Kelly's mm. Kelly's strongbone yes, family would wine. all have a nice <laughs> glass of thick milk. It's not our entire family. <laughs> thick white milk. Oh, no, milk. and they would think to themselves, you. and they think to themselves, "Man, I'm a member of the Luckies. <laughs> Those Luckies." <laughs> so you might be wondering. Hilarious. You might be wondering yourself. Well, Janie seems like a real treat, and her family's weird. Reeve must be normal. Oh nope. no. <laughs> Reeve said, so this is right after she's found, like, she's found the face in the milk carton. And for a long time, she's just basically, like, keeps this milk carton flattened and cleaned meticulously in a notebook that she's always looking at being like, that's me. That's not me. That's me. That's not me. And then during this time, so weird. she's I'm walking sorry. home. She's walking home and Reeve picks her up in his Jeep. And he says, let's ride down by the water. See if the tides are up over the road. Reeve loved floods. <laughs> Two years ago, there was such a wonderful flood that families on the beach roads had to be rescued by the National Guard. Reeve had begged his parents to buy waterfront property so that they could be in place for the next flood. They had uncooperatively said that they liked it better a mile away on the top of a hill. Uncooperatively But Reeve kept a battered canoe ready in the garage, just in case there was another opportunity to paddle down the middle of the streets. Reeve. Reeve. Literally, literally a page later, Reeve says this about himself. Uh, what's that noise, she said. At least she's not as deaf as she thought. I totally missed out on that weird ableism. 
flags, said Reeve. American flags everywhere, on the docks, on the field pubs, on the boats. Each clapped in the fierce wind like cloth, like a cloth maniac. I'm sort of like a flag, said Reeve. <laughs> Red, white, and blue, said Jiggity. <laughs> no, a big black. No, a big banner flapping in the wind. You're dumb, says the flag. My sister, my brother, my parents. They don't say it aloud, but that they're the kind to line up my college application forms next to my grades and your my and my SATs and the old flag waves. You're dumb. <laughs> what Reeve is going on? So these guys are like definitely made for each other, right? <laughs> Uh, this is this is gonna last, yeah. So, category wise, I had this as a hot beef injection because <laughs> because it is weirdly it. it is weirdly sexual. Yep. But also strangely chaste, and um, if this is what being a teenager means, I would like to opt out. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. I don't want Reeve. Fair. I had it as a CU-46. It's just a bonkers book. Yeah. <laughs> CU for sex? Yes. For six, the six. number, please. For six. For six. Um, I, because of the obvious interesting family dynamics, I'm with the Shady Bunch. Yep. I love that yep. so much. Nice. And I just went with, uh, because there's kind of a mystery that the kids get really digged into, um, and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for meddling kids. Yeah, that's what Hannah's saying while she's driving her culty McCult car around. <laughs> no, it's, like, literally, seriously, I was thinking of Hannah. I was like, she's the one who wouldn't have, would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you, Janie. Anyway. I think it has to be Andrew. It has to be Andrew. Oh, thank you. Oh, Andrew. my gosh, you guys. Shady bunch. Shady bunch. Shady bunch. bunch. All right. We are rounding out our list. Kelly Tikidui. My final book report is on a book called Uglies, uh, which came out relatively recently, I think 2005. Uh, so basically the premise is that 300 years in the future, everyone gets a surgery on their 16th birthday to become pretty. After this operation, they're allowed to go across the river to live a life with zero responsibility and obligations. You just get to go and party for a while. <laughs> Uh, I'm drinking wine. <laughs> they drink way more than wine, I think. Well, for a while drugs, or like for do they forever? Drink, do they drink drugs? It's for a while. They at some point they become middle pretties, where they have to like they get another surgery and they become like, uh, like fully functioning adults. Let's say where they have to get jobs and start having children. You know. Okay. Right? Yeah, that was something I was curious about. It was like yeah. Who, how do you decide who's a pretty and who's a middle pretty? And Okay, so age. Yeah, so basically, the face that you're born with, the face that's on your face right now, Kate, you're ugly. All of us are ugly. Wow. We're all ugly. Wow, Kelly. Thank yep. you. Yeah, Kelly. Jesus. And then, you know what, Kelly? We, we invite a guest. <laughs> yeah, we bring a guest on this show, and you call her ugly. You know what, Andrew? I'm calling yeah. you ugly, too. You know what? With you're wrong. With a podcast. I'm Literally, everybody's gorgeous. now imagining <laughs> <laughs> that I have leprosy. So thanks, Kelly. Kate is very thanks. beautiful. Kate does not need <laughs> oh the God, surgery. Stop. I'm not trying to be a baby. Kate's already I'm had sorry. the surgery. Kate's already Kate was sixteen, she had the surgery. So our main protagonist is named Tally Youngblood. Excuse me. Yep. Uh, her... We are young. We run free. <laughs> 
That's like, it's like a fantasy, sci-fi fantasy name generator character name. Yeah, like, it is. So plugged it into something. <laughs> name the street that you were born on. Young. Name something in your body. Blood. <laughs> That's my last name. Ralph. Young Ralph. That's my last name. Tally Young Ralph. Tally Young Ralph. Tally Young Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Tally's best friend recently became a pretty and left her behind in oh. ugly dorms because you live in a dorm before your surgery. As You're taken away from home and you baby? live in a dorm. No. Okay. You live with your parents for a while and then you go to school and then you move to a dorm when you're like 13. Hmm. When you're like prepping to be a pretty. Yes. Uh, so Tally is inconsolable, doesn't have, you know, goes over to meet her friend at, in New Pretty Town. It's actual name. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> and uh, decide like and gets uh, like basically on her way back meets a new girl named Shay, whose birthday happens to be on the exact same day. So they're gonna become pretty on the same day. Nice. Yay! Together they pull tricks. Described <laughs> multiple times as pulling tricks, which is basically <laughs> prank. Is that a, is that a prank? It's a prank. <laughs> oh, is uh, it a shape? It's a shape. Wow. So they they have this foolery. More 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 in line with don't with go ask Alice than I would have expected. Yeah. So oh, Tally God. and Shay have some jolly japes, and then Shay <laughs> teaches Tally how to hoverboard. Sick. <laughs> So Shay basically reveals like that she does not want to become pretty and wants to run away to a place called the Smoke, <laughs> which is this where, isn't coded at all. Yeah, which is where uglies can hide and not have to have the uh, operation. She leaves these like really cryptic desp- descriptions of how to get there for Tally in case Tally decides to go and join her. The day of their surgery, only Tally is there, and. She is taken to special circumstances, which is full of cruel pretties, a different form of pretties. They're cruel, but sharper. Oh, okay. So they like are smart. They're the pretties. They're smarter and um, like otherworldly beautiful in a way that is scary. Like they have like pointy little faces. Yes. Don't they have pointy teeth? So like Uma Thurman? Yes, they are all. They have, they have, that is the most flattering way possible. She is striking and beautiful, but beautiful in a way that feels like I, ethereal. I Quite kind cruel. of, Im- I kind of imagine like Tilda Swinton with like vampire fangs. That might be it. Too. <laughs> oh my god, those two together. Okay, fair. Uh, so basically, they give Tally an ultimatum: go find Shay, or go find Shay and the smoke, or you never get to become pretty. Oh. Yeah, get on your hoverboard and go find this yes. girl. So after about two and a half pages of soul searching, Tally rides off on her hoverboard to go find Shay. At least it was like two and a half pages. Like that was like the whole face on the milk Oh uh, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so basically, she's given all that she needs to survive in the wild because she's gone for like ten days, like to get there, and a heart locket that create that contains a tracking device. So she finds her way to the smoke and meets David. Whose parent, who was born in the wild, and his parents were doctors who ran away to start the smoke. About two seconds after Tally meets David, she falls in love with him because he gives her some gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Shay is the most yeah. romantic present. Yeah, leather gloves. Shay is mm, very kinky. jealous about this homemade leather gloves. Oh, cool. I would be. I guess I would be jealous too. I'd be like, yeah. "Where are my gloves? I've been in the smoke for like years." 
Nah, yeah, years. I know, and that's I also mean, some like. But she had like really blistered hands because they have to work at the smoke. Ugh. Oh man! Uh, unlike unlike being a middle pretty, yeah, we just get like a white collar job. I get exactly. it exactly. Okay, uh, so David takes Tally to meet his parents, and they basically tell her that something happens when you have your surgery to become pretty, and you end up with lesions on your brain. What happens is you become a big old dum dum, and you become real dumb, mm. real compliant. So Tally decides she's going to stay in smoke. She doesn't want to have lesions in her brain. And after she kisses David for the first time, she pulls the pendant off of her neck and throws it in the fire. But because she's real dumb, she doesn't realize that that's obviously going to call special circumstances right to where they are. Yeah. And they they raid the camp. Uh, Tally and David are the only ones who escape. Uh, They make their way back to town to rescue David's parents and Shay. David's parents just happen to be from the same town. Kismet, I know. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> Shay's already been made pretty, and she is dumb as box rocks. Oh. And David's father has been killed uh, by a medical experiment. Oof. Uh, so they escape, and with David's mother and some other folks from the smoke. And when they leave, they steal a tablet, which I'm almost positive they call an iPad. Um, <laughs> they're like a little bit of realism. Yeah. And they have information that they like, they find information on it that allows David to find a way to reverse the brain lesions. Uh, but they need a test subject and Shay does not consent to it. And her mother, like David's mother, after watching her husband be killed from a medical experiment was like, well, I'm not going to do that. So she, so <laughs> she's yeah. like, she's like, uh, no, hard no, pass. No, 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 hard pass. So Tally decides that she is going to become a pretty and then have the thing tested on her. Mm. So the last lines of her is basically her getting caught by a cop being like, my name is Tally Youngblood. I would like to be pretty. And that's the end of the book. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. I, I also, <laughs> so some other things just to color this book because it's like, you know, a future porn thing. Uh, is that every, everything is run on magnets. <laughs> uh, they're all Magnets, how do they work? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they're all like itties. So the babies are called littlies. And then there's the pretties, the uglies. Uh, the middle pretty people are people who are middle-aged. And then the old people are called crumblies. <laughs> crumblies! Oh, yeah. God. Oh, no! Yep. Oh, man. Uh, People from That's our distress. Yes. People from our time are called Rusties. <laughs> and if you're wondering how that civilization ended and we became into this dystopia, is that somebody created like a virus or something that ate petroleum. Wow. Awesome. That's the uh, that was the only explanation. And the way that they become pretty, like, doesn't your doesn't don't they basically like Rip out all your bones, rip off all your skin. You're just like this, like big, like wad of goo, and then they like put new bones inside of you and new skin on top of you. They don't put new bones in. They definitely put new teeth in. They take out all your teeth and put in new teeth. Ugh. They say it's not painful. The only thing that's painful is the like. It feels like you get a sun, like you have a bad sunburn when they regrow your skin. Ugh. That is really you're gross. Perfectly it's a lot. beautiful zit-free Ugh. skin. Mm. Oh my god! I mean, I th- is it made out of rubber? <laughs> I don't know. It's made out of the same thing that real dolls are made out of. I mean, it's oh. probably made out of magnets. <laughs> magnets, so you could float. <laughs> you are your well, car. Magnet analog transformers. Robots yeah. in disguise. Um, wow, wow, yep. wow, 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 wow! I can't imagine why this is not 
this is not uh, The Hunger Games. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. <laughs> they keep trying to make this a uh, movie, and then people are like, nope, it wouldn't yeah. work as a movie. Uh, you know, you who- mean people with their regular faces are going to have to walk around, and then they're going to have, like, have all these like beautiful people? I mean, that part sounds great to me. It's all the other crap that I'm like, no, nah, I don't really care. My category, because just so... Every time I thought I read this book, I was just thinking, God, this is such future porn. And then whenever I thought the term future porn, all I could think about is future sex, love, sounds. (laughs) (laughs) That's my category. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, because again, this posits a world wherein bad things are just going to happen. You can't, you can't help it. It's going to happen to you. I went with personal pandemic pizza. (laughs) Um, yeah, I was honestly in between categories on this one. Um, the one that I chose, I don't know if that works because I was going to go with, I would have gotten away with it if weren't free meddling kids since, you know, they go and save everyone. It's just Fair. two kiddos, but. But turns out everybody dies. I mean, yeah, exactly. So it really, really could just be, you know, sucks to be you nerd. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to put forth. Sucks me, you nerd. Yeah. Okay, we're done. All right. I did uh, premise wise the clown because it's <laughs> like obviously all teens relate to like feeling ugly and they want to feel pretty. <laughs> but then this book just takes it in a really a really weird way, weird like direction. place. Like I don't know. So like the special pretties are like law enforcement. So are we dealing with like Nazis? But that doesn't totally make sense. And like. I understand that it's like you trade your freedoms for superficial wants, but then there's not like a huge, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't think that the payoff makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's yours, Andrew. I think it's Andrew's. Aww. Yeah, Andrew. Nice. Well, guys, we did it! We did it! We can stop talking about Ralph's. Pan pizza. (laughs) I'm never stopping talking about Ralph's. Pan pizza's for everybody. (laughs) So, Kate, uh, you and I do a podcast together. Well, yes, we do. A pretty brilliant one, I might say. (laughs) Way better than this thing. Oh, not that this one isn't. That's (laughs) what I meant. Okay. I'm going to just... Cool, guys. Climb under the table um, here. You won't be able to see me with my you know, top hat you know, and monocle. Kelly and I are going to start our own podcast. <laughs> We're going to start our own podcast. It's going to be great. Yeah. Right. So Kate and I have our own podcast called Space Bras, which is currently releasing. Space Bras is a podcast for bad bitch sci-fi nerds. So uh, if you want to meet us over there, we uh, talk about different media or characters each episode. And at the end of our episode, we queue you up for what we're going to talk about next week. So you can do a little bit of homework if you want. Yeah. Uh, join us. Yep, it's uh, a genre we love and uh, social justice issues that matter very deeply to us and lots of other people. Um, and you have a perfect time to start listening to it because um, we're going to say a little goodbye and do a summer vacation. This is our last episode of Categorical Oracle uh, for this season, and we'll be back in September with new stuff. So With our term papers on what we did last summer. That's right, what we did over our summer vacation, <laughs> yeah. our themes. Our themes. Yeah, that's where guys check out. Make sure you check out Space Bras. It's quite good. Uh, you can find that at outrageousmechanisms.com, much like you can find Categorical Oracle at outrageousmechanisms.com. Or both a wonderful show. Both fantastic shows <laughs> on a great network. That podcasting network. You should <laughs> think about. You should sure. think about advertising on that. Yeah, if you you know honestly. I want a Pendleton bike. Pendleton bike. <laughs> <laughs>
I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I no to a, a mattress. Yeah, <laughs> maybe some blue apron. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A third love, I take Casper? it. Yeah. Many yeah. of those yeah. things sound great. Check us out at outrageousmechanisms.com or, of course, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or your podcast platform of choice. Um, and remember, uh, rate, review, and subscribe at any of those places. RRS. Rrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr